Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of My Take Radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. going on guys my take radio episode 179 for thursday april 11th 2013 our call in number is 347-324-3541 again our, our call in number is 347-324-3541 you can also hit up our feedback line that's 347-815-0687 347-815-0mtr all right so those of you that are just tuning in and probably listening to us on the Mixler feed, the audio is definitely a lot different than usual. Um, I got to thank our friends at the GFQ Network, uh, Andrew Zarian, who came through and actually went through my rig wire by wire to give us the best sound possible. Not only is this obviously beneficial for the show going forward, but this is also in preparation for us to start making a transition to doing video in addition to audio. So for those of you that are listening to the show, either on Mixler or blog talk radio, by all means, let me know what you think of the sound. Let me know if it's too heavy, too light, etc. only because we're testing out the settings in a live environment. And again, you know, Andrew from GFQ came through and really hooked us up. So we're very appreciative of that. Anyway, besides that, we are actually working on hopefully making the transition to video by, I'm saying, the end of the month. I wanted to actually get it started sooner, but given some of the issues we were experiencing with our audio and some of the quality issues we were experiencing, obviously things took a turn in a different direction. But nonetheless, we are 100% committed to making the jump to video. Hopefully we can, I, I want to say before the month is over, but... If I was a betting man, I'd say more so in May. But I'll keep you guys posted, of course. You can check our fan page for updates as well as MyTakeRadio.com. Anyway, there's a couple of things I wanted to get into first. Just some quick reminders. First off, actually, I got an email from somebody that says that I never give my name when I start the show. I think those of you that have... I always forget that sometimes people are tuning in for the first time. So 
I got to get into the habit of doing that going forward. That's just a uh, programming glitch on my part to not say my name at the start of the broadcast. But nonetheless, we'll start that next week. I figured I'd put that out there and let that person know I got their message. And um, it's one of those little things that I'm going to make sure to work on going forward. Anyway, want to let you guys know that we're doing tremendously well on Stitcher. I got to thank all of you that have made the jump to Stitcher and aren't able to get the show in podcast format for one for one reason or another. Obviously, streaming the shows on Stitcher has been great, and a lot of people are really enjoying it, so props to you guys for that. Just a quick reminder, if you do um, enter my take in the promo box, you'll be able to win $100 courtesy of us and Stitcher. Just a reminder, I always forget to mention that, but it, it still applies. As of yet, I haven't heard anybody win the $100, but... If you do, by all means, please drop me a line and let me know. We started making some adjustments to our MTR clothing store with some hoodies and T-shirts and stuff. We actually threw a ringer tee up there, and um, hopefully we're going to have some shirts up for brawling for boobies for guys and for girls, and we should have that up as well. You can get them, obviously, in support of next year's event, or if you just like the design, we're going to make sure to have that there. Um, Also... Got to let you guys know that there are going to be some new designs coming. I actually spoke to a guy today with some very, very interesting ideas. We're going to see what he puts together. And if it's something that we can both agree on, you'll maybe see that on the store as well. I see that Jay Santi is in the Mixler chat. Uh, Definitely know he's in there. I just don't have the Mixler chat open. But what's up, Jay? I see you in there. Uh, Jay's going to be calling in for the wrestling segment. He was all over the place this past weekend, Ring of Honor, WrestleMania, you name it, he was there, including access, so he'll be calling in to talk about some of the stuff that went on there. Uh, ben is in the Blog Talk Radio chat, definitely stop in there, say what's up to Ben. He's going to be joining us to talk some MMA later on this evening. So, we got lots to discuss, a uh, few things I got to get out of the way, we got two new episodes of our exclusive interview series, we got one for MTR Beyond the Mic. And one for MTR behind the mic, which you'll be able to download on the app probably by this weekend. I'm a little bit behind on the editing. I know I owe you guys an Evil Dead review. Hopefully that'll go up this evening as well. Just trying to get all the sound stuff taken care of first before getting into the web stuff. But myself, Slick, Andrea, and a couple of us are going to be putting up some stuff. I know Ben also put together a review for Bioshock, which should be up later tonight or early tomorrow morning. So be on the lookout for that as well. Anyway, tonight's topics, we're going to discuss, of course, WrestleMania and the fallout from WrestleMania, including Raw and all the news associated with that. We're going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. We got the tough finale this Saturday, so Ben and I will be discussing that. Jay will be joining us, like I said, to talk WrestleMania. We're going to talk about Raw and some of the other news in wrestling this week. Also, we got, as usual, our gaming and our entertainment news. Again, and I got to remind you guys, if you guys got to want to call in to discuss anything that we're talking about on air, again, 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541 to call in. You can also use that number to listen to the show. Just don't hit option one so you don't end up in the screening room and have Slick yell at you for hitting one by mistake. So just another way to listen to the show. Otherwise, you can listen via the Blog Talk Radio feed or you can listen via Mixler by going to MyTakeRadio.com. Anyway, so I wanted to talk a little bit about something that went on this week, and um, 
I was saying to myself that on certain weeks, it shouldn't even be a monologue. It should just be real world headaches for rich. That should just be the segment because this week was a particularly interesting segment. Be, uh, well, a particularly interesting uh, situation for this week's segment I wanted to share with you guys. Anyway, um, I, I've talked about it on and off that, you know, I'm trying to get a facility for my younger sister who, um, you know, she's out of high school, red, and, you know, she's she's handicapped, and they have to find her a facility for adults. What I've been doing the last couple of weeks is touring different facilities because I'm not one of those individuals that takes their, you know, their significant family members with special needs and just throws them in a facility. That's not me. You know, I like to research, check the places out, make sure there's no creeps or or people that, that abuse the, the individuals that are there. You know, just due diligence. So I said to myself, I'm going to visit four facilities. It's guaranteed that out of those four, one of them is going to suck. That facility, of course, will be eliminated. Then I'll choose from the three, and that'll be that. Anyway, visited one facility. Super nice. Definitely in, in the running thus far. This past Wednesday, I went to a facility, and um, this facility in particular was of great interest to me because it was recommended by my sister's uh, counselor at the time in her high school. And the lady was like, hey, you got to go there. It's a great fit for your sister. You know, they they teach them life skills. They take them to work in the community, blah, blah, blah. Okay, sounded wonderful. Anyway, so I drive to this facility, which amusingly enough is not far from where Slick lives. And um, I drove around this, this, this address 10 times. Couldn't find the facility. Luckily, Google Maps, obviously, they show you a photo. So it's like, oh, you are here. And it was a building. Turns out the facility for the disabled is inside a church, which already turns me off because in a situation like that, if, if, you know, people like if people with special needs share a facility with other people, it's always a recipe for problems, either because they don't understand the individuals that are there or because those individuals, you know, they, they just, they, they need their own space. So that was already strike one. So I walk in there and, um, Thank you, Mike Phillips. Mike Phillips letting me know that our audio is crystal clear. It's very much appreciated. Thank you, Mike, for your assistance as well. Um, as I was saying, we get into the facility and you got to ring a buzzer. Guy comes up. He says, oh, come on in. So I walk into this place and it really looks like it's terrible to say, but I think, you know, internment camps had better facilities. This place was dank, dark, poorly lit. It had like preschool drawings on the walls and like preschool decorations, like, you know, a, a corn cob with a face on it, et cetera, et cetera. Just just really. And again, you know, given given the people that are going there, I can understand that some people are lower functioning than others. And that's the way they got to be taught. I understand that a thousand percent. But this place looked terrible. So we get in there. They put me in this room with my sister. And I asked my sister, I'm like, what do you think? And she shook her head immediately. No. So I already knew she didn't like it either. Anyway, I'm waiting for my advocate, who's a um, a person they assigned me to help me out with all this stuff, because clearly I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So she walks in and she looks at me and she's just like, eh? And I'm like, nope. She's like, well, we could leave if you want. And I'm like, no, let's go through the process. So at this point, the meeting is going to commence. All the administrative staff walk in, you know, the psychologist, the person that runs the place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They all walk in. They all introduced themselves. So two ladies that sat down 
could give less of a damn about being there. You could see it on their faces. They were just miserable to the point that when one of them was asked her name, she was just like, my name is X. And she had some really unpronounceable, terrible name that, you know, my social worker asked, like, hey, how do you how do you spell your name? And she was like, you know, blah. And then she enunciated the rest. She didn't give the letters until last. It was just you could tell she was just rude. So we're sitting there and they're talking to me. And at one point, I hear the beep from words with friends. Now, you guys know the, the sound that is synonymous with words with friends. You guys all know it. It's, the, it's that bing when you put in the word. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. So two of the ladies that were in there were texting and playing words with friends in an administrative meeting with me present. So I said to myself, so and let me get this straight. I'm going to send my sister here who has special needs and entrust her to your care. And you guys are playing words with friends in the middle of an administrative meeting. If I could have launched a rocket propelled grenade into that room and burned that whole entire facility to the ground, I would have, because not only was it rude and unprofessional, but it just, it didn't give me any hope whatsoever with regards to what I could expect. I was, I was just heartbroken, not only because of that, but just because they just didn't give a damn. It truly, truly sucked. Nonetheless, I, um, we wrapped up the meeting and I left and I was just, I was just disgusted. So when I walked out, the worker says to us, she's like, listen, if you wanted a center here, I wouldn't even let you. And I was just, I was just disheartened. And the, and the crazy thing about it is, look, I understand people are handicapped and sometimes they phone it in and they put them in, in lackluster facilities, but this facility was beyond lackluster beyond. I understand some people don't have concept of things like that, but there's no necessity to have them in conditions like that. I refuse to do it. So that was my my interesting um, real world experience of the week. Like I said, this 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 broad is sitting there legit playing words with friends, and the other one is sitting there texting under the table. I felt like I was in high school. It was embarrassing, and it was just like I said, it just didn't paint a good picture. So I figured I'd share that with you guys because it was really really tripped out. Anyway. With that said, let's get into some more lighthearted fare as we cover this week's MMA. There was a lot of stuff that went on this week, including, obviously, the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, we got a suspension for one UFC fighter for some comments about a transgender fighter, which I'm definitely going to be discussing with Ben and a couple of other things. So with that said, let's get right into it. So with that said, I know that Ben should probably be calling in shortly. I'm sure that Slick is going to let me know when he's there. But I will tell you, this week's MMA news were, without a doubt, some some just some random happenings between, like I said, uh, transgender MMA fighter and uh, the fallout from that, um, the opinions of a UFC fighter, actually two UFC fighters, and the different um, things that were done to address those opinions, not to mention what went on with the crazy card in Sweden this past Saturday. It's just it's just ridiculous. But I will say this. As usual with MMA, it always has what I like to call its peaks and its valleys. You get your your peaks where there's a ton of news, a lot of great fights, and 
and everything's running at a fever pitch. Then you got kind of the valleys where things are a little quieter than usual. You get a couple of different cards that, while they're okay, they don't really jump out. This past weekend, you know, we had the Invicta card, we had the Bellator card, plus we had the UFC and all the stuff in between. And in addition to that, all the wrestling stuff that was going on. So people were up to their eyeballs in news from all outlets, especially being fans of both sports. For me, I was just up to my eyeballs and notes between Invicta coverage, UFC coverage, WrestleMania. It was it was ridiculous. I said to myself, I don't have enough hours in the day to write down all this stuff that I need to cover. But we're going to try and get through as much as possible within the time allotted, obviously, on the Blog Talk Radio side until 2 a.m. And with Mixler, we'll go into overtime as long as needed. It looks like Ben is ready to go for all intents and purposes. I see that he's probably out of the screening. And, um, yep, looks like he is out of the screening. So let me bring Ben on, and we can get right to it. Ben, my friend, welcome back. What's up, man? Not too much. How's things with you? You're going good. Yeah, I see that you got your, your new show up and running. I'm seeing a lot of stuff with you on SoundCloud, so congrats. I'm... I noticed your audio was a little out of whack. I think you and I are going to have to sit down and go over that a little bit. But um, definitely, I got to I got to commend you. Nice work thus far. Uh, thanks. Uh, the first episode of audio wasn't that bad. The second episode, I don't know what happened. Audio was horrible. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there, there's so much stuff, but we'll we'll get into it a little bit and try and work it out. All right. All well, right. So I want to start from the top. Obviously, I want to start with later on with earlier in the week before we get into the UFC stuff. And we got to talk a little bit about Bellator 95 because there were a lot of surprising, really surprising outcomes to a lot of fights there. Um, I was actually happy for Philippe Nover. He won his unanimous decision against Garrett Horcher. I mean, that guy, he's caught a tough break. You know, I remember and he had the seizure when he was in the UFC and that was, you know, I bugged out a lot of people and, and he's a New York native. So I, you know, I, I got a root for my own, but it was good to see him come out on top with the unanimous decision. He looked really good in all three rounds too. Yeah, it was, it was good over. I mean, considering, you know, the fact that he kind of never lived up to the hype and Dana White kind of heaped on him, call him the next, uh, Anson Silva, um, for him to come in and, and win a fight, it looked pretty good. Um, it was good for him. Yeah, I was definitely I was definitely happy for him to come out on top in that. And like I said, with and you and what you cited is exactly a Dana White on you know on the Dana White hype machine. This guy's the next Anderson Silva. It's a lot of pressure, but he's starting to hit his stride. He's doing pretty good in Bellator, and who knows, we might see him back in the UFC as well. Yeah, hopefully, or or maybe in a Bellator tournament. What'd you think of the um, the Lyman good fight with Dante Rivera? I mean, Lonnie Good did what Lonnie Good does. Uh, he, he looked great. Um, I don't know if Lonnie Good will ever win another tournament, but he, he looked good. Right? Yeah, I, I was I was actually pretty surprised. He he was very very aggressive from the start. I mean, as soon as the bell rang, he came in, dropped the overhand right, clubbing Rivera. As soon as the bell rang, and he definitely did a great job of keeping busy, which was good. And it wasn't like. He, he he slowed down the pace at all. There was actually some really good scrambles. Um, Rivera actually broke out the rubber guard in the second round, looked really good. Third round, he started being a little bit more aggressive, but Lyman good. He had a bit of a size advantage, really muscling him into the fence, putting in that work. 
um, smashing him a lot too. It was it was definitely um, a very very physical fight that I thought would end very violently, but it ended up going to the decision. I gotta commend Dante Rivera, definitely a tough dude. Yeah, I mean he did a lot of damage in that fight from uh, from Lyon. Um but you know he stayed in there and uh, they're fighting so. You got to move a little bit, man, because your audio is starting to get a little funky. Yeah, me now. Yeah, now, now you're nice and clear. So, of course, Rick Horn and Carl Parisian, we knew it was just going to end terribly, and boy, did it. <laughs> yeah, that didn't surprise me at all. Carl is... Carl, first of all, he looked kind of fat. A little bit. Like, he... I don't know. Ever, ever since he tore his hamstring, he he hasn't been the same, and that was years ago. And he just hasn't been the same. And I mean, going up against Rick Hahn, Rick Hahn was going to knock him out. I mean, how serious he's going to knock him out from jump? So. Well, of course, of course, the big one. I wanted to skip the other two fights. They were okay. I mean, I got to congratulate Doug Marshall for that nasty KO in the first round on Brett Cooper. But the big one, Curran and Shabulat Shamalaev was. Without a doubt, so fast and so technically sound. Pat Curran coming in there with a beautiful guillotine. It was it was insane to the point that the guy the guy, I don't think the guy even knew he was asleep when that fight was over. No, I didn't look like he knew he was knocked out or uh, passed out. Um, I mean, it was the way Pat Curran was able to grab that guillotine off the double leg. Like Shamalai Shamalai tried to sprawl out of the double leg. Pat Curran was able to more or less just go to a um, front headlock transition and just get an arm. Well, that wasn't even an arm in guillotine. I don't even know what you call that because his arm was trapped in the guillotine. I don't I don't even know exactly what you call that, but it it, it was pretty. And Pat Curran should be able to fight pretty quickly. Hopefully Daniel Strauss gets over whatever legal issues he got going on in Florida and they get their fight pretty quickly. Yeah, I really would like to see that fight with him and Strauss. Strauss definitely likes to push the pace, but... You also have to take into consideration Shamalayev was a guy that pushed the pace and, and Curran knew exactly how to catch him. You know, once he threw that wide shot, he it was just academic at that point. I'm sure Strauss is going to watch a lot of tape to make sure he doesn't get caught out there either. Well, they actually fought before. Right. And Pat Curran knocked him out. This was years ago. But they, they fought before. But um, I, I, th- I think their fight will look a little bit different just because Daniel Strauss is a better wrestler than he was then, and I don't think you're going to tap Daniel Strauss that easily. Like, I, I don't think Daniel Strauss' strategy will be the same as Shamalaya Shamalaya's. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think Strauss, especially with the history they have, he's going to be a little bit more um, careful of engaging, you know, in a slugfest with him. But now you got to be worried about, you know, that, that crazy guillotine out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah it, it should be a good fight whenever it happens, hopefully. Like I said, hopefully Daniel Strauss is legal. Legal issues aren't going to keep that fight from happening. Well, it, it was a fitting end to the Bellator season. Of course, they're getting ready for their next season in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I want to get into some news okay. with regards to that later on. But I wanted to get into the Invicta card because, dude, those ladies delivered probably one of the, I'd like to say one of the third best cards of 2013. Yeah, that was that was an excellent card. I did not see all of it. I saw... Because I couldn't sit through all 13 fights. I, oh, no, I, I, I understand. Do, I, I saw the very beginning, like I saw Rose Nama, I think I'm about to say her last name wrong, Nama Junis. Yep, that's flying right. Flying armbar, which was excellent. And I saw the last 
three fights. So, but the, what I saw, I mean, the, the Michelle Watterson, uh, Jessica Pinday fight was amazing. Like, uh, just the transitions and everything they were doing. I mean, that was just, that was epic. That Rose Namajunas armbar was probably one of the slickest submissions I've seen thus far. I mean, you could, you could talk about every Ronda Rousey armbar, but let's be serious. That, that, that beautiful flying armbar was just, Nasty. Yeah, plus it was one of the, the, the few true flying armbars you see. I mean, you see a lot of people attempt flying armbars, but it always ends up you kind of land and hit the ground. And then that's, no, as soon as she was on the edge, she grabbed the armbar, and it basically the girl was tackling before she hit the ground. That was, that was beautiful. I, um, You know, you, you very rarely see that in high-level MMA. Oh, it, it was crazy because I think that within the hour that arm bar was gifted and circulated through the web. I saw that arm bar everywhere. Yeah, I mean when you when you do something that epic it, it's gonna be on in there real quick. Yeah, it was it was crazy too. I mean the Chris Cyborg fight, I knew it was gonna end the way it did. And you know, you see a lot of these dudes writing on the sites, oh Chris Cyborg is back. It's like Chris Cyborg never left. The only problem was that her abilities were enhanced by Roids. Nobody ever took away the fact that she is a, a, a an amazing striker and a tremendous athlete, but she had help. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was, that was, that was a mauling. <laughs> yeah, like, it, 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 she beat the hell out of that girl. Um, Chris Howard, like you said, never really went anywhere. Like, she, she got help from steroids uh, um, in that fight. Um, I can't say if she has this time or, or any other time, but she had help with steroids in that fight. Um, in this fight, she did what Chris Cyborg does, beat the hell out of another woman. That's kind of what she does. So I, I don't see that as her being back. Yeah, I, I have to the, – the thing that got me with that fight was, you know, the lady, the lady she was fighting was not a pushover. I mean, this lady fought guys, so it wasn't like she was fighting cans, you know, and it was definitely a slugfest, but – you also, like I said, Chris Cyborg's striking is just impeccable. It's on a, it's on a whole other level with regards to not only the the accuracy of the strikes, but just the proficiency that she throws them. You know, she comes out there and she throws nice combinations. You know, you you see that shooter box aggressive style. It's it's like it's like you know Vanderlei Silva with a with a uterus. You know. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how she comes out. That's kind of how she comes out, old school Vanilla Silver. Like it's just, it's just straightforward aggression. Not only that, but you know, it's not like she has a like she has a weak ground game either. It's just she's never needed to use it. Yeah, I mean, she has no need for it. Um, it, it no need for. It. I mean, it, none of these women can take her down, and they're getting hit in the face as soon as they, the fight starts. So. I mean, if she ever does fight Ronda Rousey, which probably will end up happening, that ground game will probably get tested. But right now, she has no need to show it. Well, the thing that gets me with that, too, is that, you know, and and this is the crazy thing. Dana White, and we spoke about this, Dana White was like, dude, I was going to sign her and send her to to Invicta anyway. So it's not like the fight was going to be a foregone conclusion. I think what Dana White was looking at at the time was, I'm going to send her to Invicta. She's going to get a, a couple of wins under her belt. We'll give her the call-up. We'll see if she stays clean, and we'll do the fight. 
Because for the right amount of money, either Rousey will go up and wait and not put the belt on the line, and it'll be a grudge match, and you'll still make money, or Cyborg will motivate and come down. Yeah, I mean, the the fight is most likely going to happen at some point. Um, Basically, like you said, the idea was to send her to Invicta in the first place, her and Tito, who possibly could possibly not be the worst person you could choose to be your manager. Current <laughs> Tito d- decided that they were going to play hardball for no reason. The fight is still probably going to happen. Uh, I don't. I understand what the thought process was behind her going to a victim by Tito. Like I understand his plan, but there's a lot of moving parts in this plan that aren't under his control. He wants her to get three fights. Who are the three people she's going to fight? She's going to fight Marlos Conan. Yep. And then who else? Then they want, you know, they want to do it under years, which is fine. But what if Ronda Rousey loses? Or what? What if? What if? What if by some off chance, and this is possible, Miles Coonan taps Chris Cyborg? Yep. But your plan goes out the window. Like it's, there's a lot of moving parts to this plan that could go terribly wrong. I I tell you what, if Marlos Coonan taps Chris Cyborg, Dana White will bring her up immediately. You know that, especially, especially with the, with, you know, how Dana White feels about people that kind of disrespect him a la Fedor, you know, Cyborg is kind of in that camp. So if she loses, he'll be like, well, yeah, (laughs) it was your fault. I mean, they they were going to do the fight. You claim that you couldn't make 135, which I think is ridiculous. And you may lose that on a giant payday. Well, overall, I think I think and and it, you may disagree, but I th- I think Invicta's card, to some extent, was on par and to some degree even better than UFC on Fuel TV Nine. Um, in some in some ways, I mean, the main event outperformed Invicta. I mean, the main event Invicta's main event outperformed UFC on Fuel Nine, which is not really UFC's fault, but <clears throat> their main event. Outperformed it. Um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it was good fights on both cards. I mean, all three cards are having this weekend had some really, really good fights on it. Well, you know, it was funny. The um, the Michael go with that said, let's get go into Fuel TV Nine. You know, on the Facebook prelims, man, that Michael Johnson hype train got derailed very quickly. Yeah, um, <laughs> he. Lost to Razor Madati. I actually was expecting him to beat Razor Madati just because I, I thought he was a better fighter than Razor. But um, yeah, Razor Madati did a really good job. He, he got rocked really bad in the first round. Came back, beat up on Marcus, um, not Marcus, um, Michael Johnson in the uh, second round, and then contact guillotine in the third round. It was it was a pretty good win for him. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a good night for some of those guys out of the Ultimate Fighter because Adam Sella he lost. He was out of the Ultimate Fighter camp. He lost via submission too. Uh, via rear naked choke, so not a good night for that dude either. Same thing with Marcus Brimage in that fight with Conor McGregor, which oh my I'm god, actually really excited to see Conor McGregor. Dude, that guy, that guy is an animal. <laughs> that guy is a serious problem. Yeah, I've known about Conor McGregor for a while, but I didn't think I actually thought Marcus Brimage would beat him just because if you, if you've watched any of Conor McGregor's like earlier fights, and probably on my next U, um, UFC breakdown. I'll, link up like some fights or, or highlight or something. He does what he did to Marcus Brimage to really lesser opponents. So I was like, oh, well, he's going to run up against somebody who can strike with him and they'll beat him. That's not what happened. And um, I'm really interested to see
see how where he goes from here because I mean he he's got personality he can fight um I'm I'm interested to see where he goes from here. I was very happy for Tom Lawler. I think it's good to see Tom Lawler back on the winning track. You know he always has the cool entrances. Got himself a nice guillotine choke in the second round. Didn't take too much damage. Hopefully he'll he'll get the bump up at least to the to the pre to the pregame card and not relegate it to Facebook. I figured that was going to be, you know, n- not punishment, but just like, dude, you haven't been winning and they don't want to cut you yet, so you're going to get bounced down to the Facebook card. But good to see him back on the, on the winning track. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a good fight. I, uh, he was getting he was getting beat up pretty bad in the fourth. Um, not necessarily beat up, but pretty schooled pretty easily in the first round, and then uh, in the second round he came back and uh, got that. Uh, I believe a guillotine. Yeah, got a guillotine on. Um, I think Michael Kuyper. Yep. Um, it was a pretty good fight. I did like, even though it felt it dragged on a little bit. I liked the Kira Corasani's fight against Rob Peralta. He looked really good in that fight. Even though Peralta started showing some shades of brilliance in the second round, but Cor- Corasani definitely was the aggressor, especially in the first and in the third. Just a slugfest, especially in the third round. Yeah, Kira Corasani actually really surprised me because I. I, I uh, I finally lost a fight to Andy Uh and it's been a while since he's fought. Um, and he, he was really good in that fight. Really good. Stand up and be the wrong problem pretty bad. I think the last time you and I spoke, we thought that we, you know, we kind of felt that Pablo Garza had the the edge going into his fight with Diego Brandao, but Brandao surprised me, taking it taking a submission in the first round off Pablo Garza. Garza, you know, very lanky. Um, a guy that's really good on the stand-up, getting choked out with, with not with ease, but definitely he he kind of gave up the arm and ended up getting caught in that in that tight arm triangle to lose that fight. Yeah, um, that that uh, Diego Brandao looked really good. Um, just uh, closing that distance, being able to close that distance, probably down and get the arm triangle um, pretty smoothly. Um, he looked really good. Um, he looked really calm. Oh, I he calm. Because even after he won, he seemed like, I'm not sure. And I really watched it a, a couple days ago, yesterday. And he's like, I'm not sure what he was doing after he lost that but won the fight. He just looked really creepy calm. But look, um, he looked really good for Well, you know what? For, for, for as excited as I was for that fight, I was really excited for the Mike Easton fight. And I was really bummed that he lost that fight. Because I kind of felt Easton, not to say he got robbed, but I think Easton looked really good, especially in the first round. You know, he got that takedown, even though he didn't do much with it, and and Pickett came out. But I think probably what put Pickett over the top was that slam in that first round. I could see Easton winning this fight. Like, I could see a, a legit argument for him to win in the fight. I thought uh, Brian Pickett probably came with a more effective offense. Uh, probably in rounds two and three. I think Brad Pickett clearly won round three and probably run round two. But it, it was a very close fight, and it was a very, very good fight. I mean, um, lots of lots of really good technique in that fight um, from both these dudes. Um, you know, they probably go Mike Easton. They might match him up against Brian Caraway because I think that was his original opponent. Um, and then Brad Pickett will just move up in the ranks, so. Yeah, I think, you know, I actually like Easton, and, and he's just very exciting to watch. He comes out there almost, he, he's everything that Clay Guida initially was, you know, just super aggressive, coming in the pocket, ready to trade, but willing to go to the ground if necessary. I was I was really, really excited by how fast-paced that fight was. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was it was one of those fights that really really show you what the bantamweights can do. Uh, just the the way they were they were transitioning between each thing they were doing, and and just they just look really really good in that fight, both of them. Yeah, definitely super crisp. I did want to talk about you know obviously Phil DeFries just getting massacred by by Meathead, and um, yeah, it was it was that was just a mauling. Yeah, that. That's Poor Phil DeFries. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't, and a lot of people are like, oh, he he got knocked out by Mitrion's uh, hip. That's not what happened. Um, if you if you watch the replay, and I'm still shocked that he got knocked out by this, but he was coming in Mitrion and they hit him with like kind of falling away left hook behind the ear, and that's what knocked him out. It just looked like oh, he ran into his, like his side and fell down. Regardless, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, to get knocked out in what, like 30 seconds. So it's embarrassing. Phil DeFries is probably getting cut. Oh, you say probably. He is getting cut. So uh, and, sucks for him. And of, and of course, you know, Dana White, I'm sure, silently snickered at Ryan Couture getting knocked out by Ross Pearson. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, <laughs> Couture, Ryan Couture was doing a good job for part of the fight. He, he was doing what he needed to do because Ryan Couture is not a great athlete. Uh, he really isn't that great of a striker. He isn't a great of a striker. He's not a good boxer. Well, he's not a great boxer either. He just he just knows Wrestling. the game of MMA, and he, he was doing a good job of kind of dirtying up the fight, making it, making it a sloppy, kind of lean up against you, kind of kind of win by that way fight. And once Rod Pearson got his timing and clipped him, it was all over. Well, he was trying to use his dad's school of um his dad's school of MMA. It's like, dude, your dad is on a whole other level. With that, you know, with the smother, with the smother and brawl, that's, with your old man, it was different because he was fighting guys that, you know, they they varied in ability. Like the new school of MMA fighter, they watch a lot of tape. It's like you mean to tell me that they didn't watch tape of your old man and you to see what you were gonna try and do. Plus, you're fighting lightweights. Yep. Like, lightweights, like a lot of what Randy Couture was doing was against heavyweights. And that's not going to work against really good lightweights. No, it's not. not. Definitely not. So let's get into the main event with um, Ilir Latifi fighting uh, Gegard Mousasi. Mousasi fought extremely safe. A lot of people were like, you know, this was a bullshit fight. But you also got to take into consideration, Gegard Mousasi trained for a taller guy. He trained for a completely different guy. Guy took the fight on two days notice. Mousasi didn't drop out of the fight. And not for nothing, he wasn't going to try and go ham because he knew that if he got caught, his 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 thought of even touching a title opportunity would go out the out the window or even down the toilet for that matter. Yeah. Plus, uh, I believe he had a blown out knee. Yes, he um, did. From everything I've, I've read online, his uh, uh, Musashi's knee was blown out. So. Yeah, I wasn't expecting much. Uh, first, first of all, if, if if you haven't anyone who hadn't seen Musashi fight, I, I know they were trying to build him up to be like some kind of killer, but Musashi tends to fight that way. He just seems disinterested with everything. He's a great fighter. He just seems super disinterested with everything. Um, but he did what he had to do against a dude that was basically the exact opposite of who he was training for. He was training for, like you said, a uh, tall rangy kickboxer, and he got a dude that's basically a fire hydrant that was just going to try to wrestle, and that that was it. So um, he, he he looked good. I mean, he, he looked fine to me. I mean, 
good jabs, um, you know, just box him up. For basically fighting on one leg, he looks good. Well, you know what it is, too, man? Musasi, Musasi's too Fedor for his own good, you know? Just just super stoic. It's like, all right, man, you know, show, so, show some shades of... And I can understand, you know, he's coming in there injured and stuff, but he fought extremely safe. And, and like I said, I didn't mind because he was fighting a dude completely out of out of his comfort zone that he trained for, and that's fine. But it's just like, show, show something, a little bit more emotion. I think that's one of the going to be one of the sticking points to start moving him up into title contention. It's like, yo, how are we going to market this guy? He's boring as shit. <laughs> I mean, if he does hurt you, Destroy you. Yeah, of course. He doesn't he, uh, jab you to death and do other things. I mean, he just—he just never. He never has the sense of urgency that you see in a, in a person jumping out who's constantly trying to end you, or a or a uh, Augusta who's constantly trying to end you. Like he just doesn't have the energy now. No, he definitely, he definitely does not. But like I said, it was a, it was an okay card. I just felt like you know. Once, once so the, the injuries went the way they went, and some of the fights, I just didn't feel inclined. I actually ended up watching this card. I taped it in the middle of the day. I didn't watch it live, and watched it later on. Basically, uh, I was about to spend like six hours, but I was watching it. No, no, no. Uh, like I said, it was just it just wasn't working. Yeah. All right. So, of course, the Ultimate Fighter. The finale, the finale is set. Um, Kevin Gastelum took on Josh Salmon. Kevin Gastelum with a nice rear naked choke, didn't take too much damage, looked really good in his fight. Um, you know, we got we we got a good amount of you, you know reality show storytelling in between the fights. Mm-hmm. Uriah Hall and Dylan Andrews was, you know how that goes. <laughs> Right, Hall sending somebody else to a hospital. <laughs> so, I, I saw the, uh, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that fight was um, that that fight that fight was interesting because the ending of it. I don't understand what exactly happened to Dylan Andrews. Like I've never seen someone from the bottom beat a guy from the that was on top of him into submission. Like I've I've never seen that. Like it didn't even look like he was hitting him that hard. I don't know. I think I think what happened was Dylan gassed. Because his punches were getting weaker, and then you know Uriah Hall just pushed him into into full guard and just started just clubbing him. You know, yeah, well, uh, I mean, outside but before that, he was getting picked apart. So, it, yeah. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because the guys that um you know tap nap and snap they put up a, a Uriah Hall highlight video from Tiger from his Tiger Showman days, <laughs> and. That guy's striking is extremely accurate. Like hands and feet, it's like if he wants to connect with you, he's gonna make it happen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people will think I'm gonna be insane for my comment that I'm about to make, but in a straight kickboxing contest, he's a better striker than Anderson. So in a straight kickboxing contest, like I mean, not not necessarily in MMA form because there's other stuff you gotta worry about in MMA. But if, like, you just want to do straight K-1 with him, he, he possibly is a better striker than Anderson Silva. He, he's an incredibly talented fighter. Um, he might be the best fighter that's been on the Ultimate Fighter in a while. I don't think this is unbeknownst hype. I mean, a lot of people 
kind of shit on him because they're like, oh, he has two losses. Well, that's the Chris Wyman who's about to fight Anderson Silva and Costa Phillips, who at worst is a top eight middleweight in the world. And if you saw the Costa Phillips fight, um, it was a lot of Costa Phillips your all of the balls. And it, it was just a sloppy, disjoint, weird fight. So I think Uriah Hall has a chance to be a really good uh, middleweight. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, Uriah Hall, he's... He... And you and I, we've we've called this for weeks. We were like, Uriah Hall's in the final. <laughs> you know, it's like, because the exposure the guy's got. But, of course, you know, Gastelum isn't isn't a slouch either. But if he tries to go out there to, to really prove himself and he tries to stand and bang, I don't think, I don't think it's going to go well for the kid. I think Kevin Gastelum's plan will be to try to take the fight to the ground. I just don't think that will work out that great. I mean, not that Kevin Gaslam was a terrible wrestler. I just, I just don't see him being able to push that kind of pace. Like, um, like the Chris Wilder fight, because I actually went and watched that um, today. Um, the Chris Wilder versus uh, Chris Wilder basically did what um, Cam Velasquez did to, um, to um, Junior Santos. Just pace and takedowns. I don't think Kevin Gaslam could do that to you right all. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a different caliber of fighter, and not only that, but you also have a different level of wrestling pedigree on display. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't, I don't think he'll be able to do that, and not, not necessarily that he'll get you know blasted out of the world, but I just, I just don't see him winning this fight. No, I think, I think above all else, it's going to be, it's either going to be Uriah Hall surprising everyone with some type of a submission if it goes to the ground. Or it's just going to be a, a vicious strike that's going to end this quickly. But don't get me wrong. Either of these guys that loses is still guaranteed a contract. Almost definitely. They're you both know? The not, not everyone that's on the show. No. I guarantee you everybody else that loses that's been on that show is not getting a contract. If you lose on this card, you're you're probably getting cut. Yeah, you're probably getting cut because remember Dana White wanted to cut a hundred guys, so that number's still nowhere near a hundred. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys gotta 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 cut the chaff somewhere. Uh, a lot of guys fighting for their jobs th- this weekend. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, now that we got that out of the way, you know, I got we got some MMA news to go over. Of course, um. They gave out some nice $60,000 bonuses on the UFC on Fuel TV 9 event. Conor McGregor took KO of the night. Uh, Reza Madadi took sub- submission of the night. And Mike Easton Brad Pickett took fight of the night honors. Now, what you were saying about Musasi coming in with a knee injury is true. He was saying that, you know, he came in with the injury and he's actually going to do surgery right after. You know, he, he opted to take the surgery right after. So, obviously, he'll probably be on the shelf for a minute, but... To come in to come in like that and and you know not jeopardize the card, I I definitely got to commend him for that. Yeah, I mean it also it's strange to me because I didn't think he could be Alexander uh, in the first place. So you came in on long. This is weird to me. Like why? Probably should have got that taken care of beforehand because if he had fought Alexander and then. Um, Right. Move, uh, switch, switch where you are a little bit because your audio is getting funky again. Yeah, but now. There you go. Much better. So, um, 
I did I did want to talk a little bit about UFC 159, obviously, because, you know, the coaches are going to be meeting um, on that card. Of course, Chael Sonnen, John Jones, um, Belcher, and Bisping, those guys seem to just have a ridiculous amount of beef going into their fight. Um, Czech Congo, Roy Nelson, Phil Davis, and Vinny Magalesh, which I think is going to be a, a surprisingly entertaining fight. And um, Bam Bam Healy and, and Jim Miller on the pay-per-view side of things. I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts on... Obviously, we're not going to talk Jones Sonnen because that that we're going to probably just need a, a separate a separate show closer to the event. But I did want to talk about Belcher and Bisping because their beef is starting to get real crazy. Yeah, I, I, uh, what 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 did Belcher say? If uh, Bisping knocks him out in the first round, he'll get Union Jack tattooed on his chest. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's that should be a good fight. Two 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 kickboxers. Um, for the most part, um, it, it should be a pretty good fight. Um, you know, uh, neither one of them can really, if they ever want to get to a title, neither one of them can afford to lose this fight. Nope. Because the, the loser of this fight is never fighting for a title, period. Like, it is, that's done. So, uh, one of them got to come out and, um, and win the fight, basically. I mean, it should be a good fight, though. Well, here's one thing. Czech Congo's meeting Roy Nelson. You think Czech Congo's job is on the line with this fight? Um, nah. Not yet? I, I don't. Not it, yet? Huh? Not yet, huh? Nah. I mean, didn't he win his last fight? Uh, didn't he, what, beat Sean Jordan, I think? Yeah, I think he his did. Last fight was? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think his job is on the line. If he had a couple losses, probably, but nah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, well, the reason I ask that is because, you know, he's one of those guys that's always on the bubble. He's always one performance away from getting, you know, into a into an upper-tier fight or one or two performances away from being shown the door. Um, I, I don't know. I, just, I, just, I, don't, I don't see him cutting if he loses this fight. Um, I, th- I think he'll probably get one more fight. And if he, if he loses another one after this fight, I think he's done. Yeah, because not for nothing, I mean... On paper, you would think Congo would be able to bully Roy Nelson, but Roy Nelson dynamite them fists, man. So, you know, it's, it's not like when Chet Congo fought Pat Barry and got and got lucky on that one. Roy Nelson got an iron chin. Yeah, it should. It should it, like I said, it, it should be a pretty good fight. Um, I think Roy Nelson will probably end up winning. I think Roy Nelson is a better fighter, but um, it should be good. I will say this: Phil Davis and Vinny Magalish also coming in with a lot of beef, you know. You know, in terms of each guy representing their own discipline. I think Phil Davis is another guy. He needs what a you know what I like to say one of those fights that's going to make him. And I think this fight with with Vinny Magalish would definitely be a, a great proving ground for him because obviously you know Vinny Magalish, the minute his back touches the ground, you're getting tapped out in some shape, way, or form. But Phil Davis has tremendous wrestling, great range. You know, he's just he's just a little he's I don't I don't want to say he's he's still a little green, but he's not he hasn't been battle tested with guys, you know, like his fight with Rashad Evans was a great fight to test his will. With Magalesh, I think it's gonna be a question of who's gonna strike first if the fight goes to the ground. I don't think this fight goes to the ground. I think Phil Davis just keeps off with Vinny Magalesh. Um Vinny Magalesh is a great jujitsu um, practitioner, but he doesn't really have great takedowns. And even if he did, he'd be hard pressed to get Phil Davis down. Um, and I don't think Phil Davis is going to take him down. I, th- I think it's going to be 
a lot of Phil Davis kicking him and punching him on the outside. Well, you know what's funny? Phil Davis is fighting on this card. Then you got OSP on this card too. You know, OSP. I like to. I I used to say it was Strike Force Phil Davis because <laughs> he's you know he's in that same I camp. Forgot about OSP. He's he's in a whole other he's in a whole other category. But it's funny because they put his fight on the prelims. You know, second to last fight on that card, and we also got a women's fight. Uh, Sheila Gaff and Sarah McMahon are on that fight. But you know, you want to know what's funny? Leonard Garcia sent to Facebook territory. Fighting Cody McKenzie. Yeah, um, if he's got to go, he's got to go, man. I said if Leonard Garcia loses, he's got to go because this is bullshit with him now. Yeah, I mean, first, first of all, um, because I actually went to just look at the car right now, and I'm looking back at Leonard Garcia's record. First of all, you got four losses. In a row, <laughs> I'm looking. It actually should be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight losses in a row. That's yep, actually be. what his record should be, because he clearly lost a bunch of these fights and got the decision for it. it yeah, he's, he's got to go. If, if he if he loses this fight, they've got to cut him because it's ridiculous. No, I I agree a hundred and a hundred and ten percent with that, and it's funny too because Ali Akinta got got banished to 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 you know to Facebook territory. A lot of guys fighting on that Facebook card. I'm like, damn, you dudes were were at least prelim worthy back in the day. I think what they're doing is they're just kicking them down the ladder, like in the old days when you'd play Mortal Kombat and you'd fight your way up the ladder. That's how they're doing fight, with these dudes. Man. That's the only way. Well, the only way to get back up there, you gotta win fights. But I got to talk about Matt Mitrione, obviously, coming off nice KO. Gets himself suspended from the UFC due to his commentary about um, Fallon Fox. Now, I want to read what he said, you know, in his interview with Ariel Helwani, and then we'll take it from there. Um, Ariel Helwani asked him, he's like, why do you hate Fallon Fox so much? Why do you keep calling she a he? Mitrione responded, because she's not a he. He's a he. He's chromosomically a man. He had a gender change, not a sex change. He's still a man. He was a man for 31 years. 31 years. That's a couple of years younger than I am. He's a man. Six years of taking performance, dehancing drugs, you think is going to change all that? That's ridiculous. That is a lying, sick, sociopathic, disgusting freak. And I mean that. Because you lied on your license to beat up women. That's disgusting. You should be embarrassed for yourself. And the fact that Florida licensed them because California licensed them or whatever the hell, or whoever the hell did that, is an embarrassment to us as fighters, as a sport, and we should all protest that. That woman that he's fighting, props to you. I hope you beat his ass, and I hope he gets blackballed and never fights again, because that's disgusting, and I'm appalled by that. So, you know, he ended up eating a suspension as a result of a breach of UFC's code of conduct. The contract has been suspended and the incident is being investigated. Now, with that said, Dana White went on Junkie while doing work for UFC on Fox 7 and said, Mitrione didn't need to be doing that interview. I'm going to talk to these guys. The only time these guys really need to be doing interviews is leading up to fights. He also went on to say that it ended up being a nightmare for him. What was the point of the interview? There was no point. Now it's caused him a bunch of headaches and problems and caused us a bunch of headaches and problems for no reason whatsoever. He had just fought. 
He wasn't going to be fighting again for a few months, and he's still over there in Sweden hanging out. What is the point of doing that interview? What was the upside? There was none. So my question to you is this. A few days ago, Ronda Rousey shared her comments on Fallon Fox, and things are quiet. Double standard? <laughs> exactly. A couple issues I have. First, first, first off, uh, Matt Mitrione is an idiot. Um, and also, he has the facts of the story wrong. Um, she didn't actually lie. Um, she stated that she was a woman, and by, I believe, NCAA and Olympic and Nevada standards, that she can say she's a woman if she's been taking. Um, hormonal drugs for, I believe, a couple of years. I don't I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe she can claim she's a woman okay. on athletic documents if you've been taking the drugs for a while. Um, so that, that's the side of the point. Um, first of all, um, it is a double standard, but also Dan White's um, explanation or he should have been doing the interview is the wrong way to go about it. I, think. I don't think that was the problem that he was doing the interview. I think the problem is what he said. Um, you can't, you can't, you can say you don't want her to fight other women. That's cool. That's fine. I mean, hell, they've asked a bunch of fighters that. None of them have responded like this. There's a reason for that. Most fighters aren't that stupid. Even go. if you are that much of a bigot, they ain't that stupid. And for him to come out and say the way he said that, it was over the top and unnecessary. And um, I just think Dana White probably is handling this a little wrong. You you shouldn't say, oh, it's not. She shouldn't have been doing an interview. No, that's not really the problem. The problem is what he said. Um, and I mean, I do commend USC for spending, spending even though it was in the double standard. came out a couple days ago, and or what? last week, or was that last week or this week? Uh, last week, I believe, and said she can cut her pecker off, which is still a man. Yep. It, Ronda Rousey, they're not going to suspend her. And to be perfectly honest, that, that comment is not as engrossingly, psychotically bigoted, bigoted as right. Matt Mitrione's was, but it's still a bad comment. And I'm sure, I'm sure she was spoken to. They're just probably not going to suspend her. But Matt Mitrione, that was on par with Miguel Torres' rape man. Right. Like, it was just on par with that. Like, you can't say those type of things. No, I, here's, here's, here's where I, I took this from, and, and here's, here's what bugs me. And, and Ariel, Ariel Helwani, I respect him as a journalist, I respect his accomplishments that he's done, but we should all, every fighter should know that Ariel Helwani's job is to is to stir the pot. They like you've seen sometimes when he goes to the press conference, he asks questions, and Dana be like, "Yo, come on, man, don't ask that," because he knows that those are the types of things that are going to create memorable sound bites. We all do this stuff, whether it's bloggers, podcasters, video uh, vidcasters, whatever it is. We all do this with the intent of getting that sound bite. Or that one marquee moment. Unfortunately, in Matt Mitrione's case, he was the one that provided it, and he got caught out there. Because you mean to tell me that yeah. that if you that if you knew how 
Ariel Helwani plays the game and he tried to ask you that, you'd be like, look, man, you know, I, I can't I can't comment on that in good faith without getting in trouble, man. Just ask me about something else. You know that. You know seasoned fighters. Like, you know what you can and cannot say. Like, I, I understand what you're saying, and yep. I agree with you. Ariel Helwani's job is to get you to, to give him a soundbite, but you should answer in a way that you know is not idiotic. Like, you should know, like, yo, I can't I can't come out here and call someone who had his gender change and legally is calling herself a she and then come at her and call her a sociopathic freak and insinuate that she switched genders just to fight women. Because that's what he was insinuating, which yep. is ridiculous. Beside, but, but you know what it like, is? That's absolutely ridiculous. Take this into consideration. This is the same guy that when, you know, when he was talking shit about Tito, the first thing he brought up was Tito's wife, you know? And, you know, brought up Jenna Jameson's, Jenna Jameson's career. You know, like, yeah, he's called Meathead for a reason. But but it's like, I can't, I can't in good faith sit there and, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel bad he got suspended, but on the same token, it's like, this code of conduct that you have for your fighters it's like Dana White. You call the reporter a cunt. Like, like no, you know it doesn't what? I, apply to him. You know, if, no. If you actually read the the the, because um, I, I read it or read part of it, I didn't read the whole thing. But it's like it's worded in a fashion that it doesn't apply to of course employees. Of course, it doesn't. It only it applies, applies to fighters to your fighters or your independent contractors. That's who it, who it applies to. It doesn't apply to Dana. It doesn't apply to the, you know. Yeah, well, well, you know what, you know what happens? Yeah, well, you know what happens with that? Like, look, could he have worded it differently? Yes. But once again, it's like you, you guys should be a student of the game when it comes to going on Ariel Helwani's show. This is a guy, this is a guy who... For, for as much as I respect his accomplishments, this is a guy that's always three steps away from one of these fighters whooping his ass. Because he knows what to do. He knows what to do. You look at the interviews with Rampage, with Nick Diaz, with certain dudes, they'll be like, yo, come on, man. Don't come at me with that shit. Like, like Mitrion should have known that this is a very, very, very touchy subject. And in Ronda Rousey's case, she has an out because guess what? She makes the UFC a lot more money than you. A sure. lot more. I mean, if John, I mean, the thing is, the people who conduct themselves like actual athletes wouldn't make these comments. Nope. John Jones now uh, wouldn't make these comments. I'm sure he might have done some stupid shit when he was back, you know, driving Bentleys around drunk. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't make these comments. George St. Pierre probably wouldn't make these comments like the, the dudes that conduct themselves like real athletes they're not gonna make these comments and you have to understand that there are reporters whose only job is to get you to say something get you to, to say something that they can boost their ratings up on the show and if Ariel Wani did that it's Matt Mitrion's fault he put himself in the situation yep. like you said this is the same dude that when talking about Tito decided to bring up Tito's wife's past career which is we not yeah, it's we all. It's like, look, we all know. We, it's like, look, we all know. You know, she took she. You know, she she took a couple of jars of mayonnaise to the face. I understand that, but you know what? We all know that. Like to like to bring that into that kind of a forum, it just it just doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. And here's here's the thing that gets me. Ronda Rousey saying what she said. She's a woman for all intents and purposes saying it to a woman. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like it's like, yeah, she said, oh, she could cut off her pecker. She could say the same thing about cyborg. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. I mean like, she has more. Right. Or less. <laughs> right. So it's like it's like it comes off a little differently. It's like it's like, dude, you can't do that. And and the funny thing that kills me uh, out of this whole thing is that there's a lot of people when this broke that they were like, yeah, man, but the UFC, they, they, they you know, they, they pussy and out, they're getting soft. And, and it's like, you guys don't understand what it's like to run a business. Everything that you say is uh, no, what I was going to say is everything that you say when you're at the NFL, MLB, hell, WWE is always scrutinized, even in TNA, which isn't on the same level as WWE. Bully Ray called a fan in the stands a faggot in the stands, and mind you, whether it was part of the part of the act or not, or him being a heel, they you know the president of TNA went on Twitter and she's like, "Yo, we can't, we don't condone that language. That's not right," because it's like that's everyone is watching. We live in an era that's way, you know, it's extremely sensitive. It's an extremely sensitive environment. And when you're talking about a, a, a guy who became a woman and wants to fight, leave that shit alone. Let medical professionals talk about it. You're not one. Exactly. That's one thing. And also for all, like I've said a bunch about MMA fans, not all MMA fans, but there's a very vocal minority of MMA fans that, are the lowest common denominator. Yep. They are terrible people. They yep. they have migrated to MMA because it's a violent sport, and we all like violence. But these are the type of people who are ignorant. Ignorant as hell. These are the type of people that were sending Rashad Evans hate mail when he knocked out Sucklerdale. These are the type of people that go on message boards and like make up false stories about how John Jones ain't taking care of his kids. Like, just these are those type of people, and these are the type of people who are homophobes. And when they get, they, they're like, oh, the UFC is now being PC. Yes, they are, because that's what businesses do. Yep. That's what a real sports league does. This is not, this is not, uh, I, don't, I don't know what they want this to be. This is not backyard wrestling. Like, this is a, a sport. This is, those are athletes. You can't go around and say and do things like this because it hurts your business. It hurts your bottom line. Perfect example. Um, the rapper Rick Ross recently made a, a rap line that great example. To rape. Great example. Re- yeah. Reebok dropped him instantaneously because they started getting all sorts of um, like uh, soccer moms and all these people like, Yo, y'all need to drop him. You can't have people saying anything you want. It doesn't work that way. Even people in another media where you can basically say a lot of crazy things there's a line, and the line is way, 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 uh, way shorter if you're an athlete. Yep, that's. I'm glad you used the the Rick Ross analogy because it's 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 perfectly fitting. And and you know, I I read Reebok's statement on that, and Reebok was like, you know, we cut him because of this, and because he showed no remorse. He was just like, oh, I fucked up. But it wasn't like, oh, you know, I understand that this isn't, you know, I don't condone this. Like, he wasn't genuine in his apology. And Reebok, Reebok is, in tra- is not in the business to get caught out there. And they were like, uh, you're not genuine about it? You're not trying to do anything to help the cause? Well, then uh, see you later. 
It's different. I mean, you, UFC is trying to be a mainstream sport. They cannot have athletes out here continuing a, a man who became a woman. First of all, it's still a man, even though she has been using the belt for quite some time. And it's fighting simply because she's not woke. Like, her whole purpose was to fight, and that's why she changed injuries, which is incredibly asinine, I think. So, it's, you know, people have to understand this is a business of the world. No, I, I agree a hundred a hundred percent. Now, of course, also this week, gotta get into this, we got you know, we got the finales this weekend and a couple of things going on with this I wanted to talk about. Um Uriah Faber, Scott Jorgensen is your main event, Kevin Gastelum, Uriah Hall, Misha Tate, Kazingano, Travis Brown, Gabriel Gonzaga, and um Bubba McDaniel is taking on you know, past MTR guest Gilbert Smith. Um, I actually got to give props to him. He sent me a uh, Colorado MMA shirt. A couple of things I wanted to ask you with regards to that. Uriah Faber, Scott Jorgensen. Not that that's a bad fight, but that's the guy you give Uriah Faber? I mean, there's nobody else in that division. that. Not to say that Scott Jorgensen isn't a name, but as a main event, do you think that that's that's a worthy main event? I, they're not doing Scott Jorgensen any favors. Scott Jorgensen is about to get whooped up on. Um, <laughs> I don't... 135 is not a super deep division. Um, and because of who Uriah Faber is, you can't have him fight anybody in the division. Like, you can't put him up against Francis Francisco Rivera. Like, you can't, you just can't throw him anybody. Scott Jorgensen, I guess, is close enough to the top and somebody that Uriah Faber hasn't actually fought yet and beat that you can give him. Um... I wouldn't have made that my main event for that card. Um, I probably, myself, probably would have went with Misha Tate Casagano because that fight is actually matters more. Yep, there's a lot on the line. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't think we have a problem with it. I think it would be a fun fight, but, I mean, I think Scott Dorgan is going to lose because they're basically the same fighter, only Uriah favorite is ten times better. So uh, I think it should be a good fight. I just, it just wouldn't have been my main event. Now, you know, Gilbert Smith and Bubba McDaniel getting the, the televised card. You know, I've seen a couple of people like, oh, you know, the, the dudes that lost in the, in, the, in, the, in the semifinals should have been on the card. And, and a case can be made. But, like, in Gilbert Smith's case, he lost in a freakish fashion. So he didn't get a, you know, he didn't get a fair shake. Would I, would I have wanted one of the, the two guys up there? Yeah, may, maybe. But, you know, I've seen a couple people like, oh, you know, why are they putting that fight on the main card? It's like, yo, it's not like the Fuel TV card isn't televised. I'd be more pissed off yeah, if I'm I... TV. It's like, yo, I'd be pissed off if I was Maximo Blanco fighting on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem. <laughs> For me, I don't really have an issue, per se, with where anybody is on this card. Nope. Mostly because these are... Not to say they're the inconsequential fights, but they're not the not the reason you're watching a card per se. Right. Like I'm gonna watch all the fights. But it doesn't really matter whether the people that lost on the show really are placed on a card. Basically, you lose one of any of these dudes lose this fight, they're gone. Like Adam Seller is gone. Like he's gonna be cut. Yep. Um the loser of any of these fights is gonna be cut. These are basically lose, loser leave time fights, you know, um 
that is what they are. Just enjoy the fights. It doesn't really matter the order of them. Um, to oh. me, like I, I don't care, and they're all going to be on TV. Like if you, you're not going to miss any of these fights. Um, I would like to see the Maximo Blanco fight, and hopefully he does something terrible to Sam <laughs> Cecilia, and he gets shown on television. So yes, so. I agree. I got I got to ask and and you know I I didn't want to do picks for this card but I will ask only for this fight because there's so much on the line Misha Tate Kat Zingano Uh I have Kat Zingano winning that fight. Um Kat Zingano is and I don't want to sound condescending when I say this or or disparaging. She fights like a dude. She, yes. She 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 and Misha Tate are very similar fighters, but Kazangano is a stronger, a more powerful wrestler, a better striker, and I, I don't think she's necessarily better at jujitsu, but she has a different type. Like it's 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 power jujitsu. Like she she's yanking things off of you. Um, now I think they both lose to Ronda Rousey in the first round, but um, I think Kazangano has a very good chance of beating Misha Tate, which I don't think is what the UFC wants. But it's probably gonna happen. <laughs> no, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it, with that said, I I kind of had Misha Tate as as my favorite for this fight because she she's in a very very unique situation given that she already has an understanding of Ronda Rousey that they fought before. Plus, she knows how to market the fight quite well. I think Kazingano is gonna mark the if she had to market the fight with Ronda Rousey, it may end up with them like fighting in a in an alley. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I would prefer the season have Misha Tate, um, just because I want to see the hilariousness of Brian Caraway. Oh yeah, <laughs> Brian Caraway because he <laughs> amuses me. But um, I want I want to see that. But I don't really mind if Casagano gets there anyway, just because it'd be a different fight. Like Misha Tate, this fight really wasn't close. Like Misha no, Tate had no. her moment, and that was about it. So. I mean, a rematch for that fight really does no one, not, not necessarily does no one any good, but it, it doesn't interest me. I want to see Ronda Rousey up against opponents that she hasn't been against before, and I think it would be an interesting fight to see her against Kat Zagano. Well, the last two bits of MMA news I wanted to talk about, and this was one one bit of news that I'm sure would doesn't come as a surprise to you. Um, Hector Lombard is considering a drop to 170. He's going he's gonna to hook up with Mike Dolce, and he's going to do a test cut to 170 and see how it comes out. What do you think? Um, that's probably the best thing for him. Um, he's really, really short when he's ever. Um, I think he'll be really good at 170. Um, probably is what he should have done in the first place. In, in, in the UFC, just, just because, I mean, this is the UFC, and he's not fighting. It's scrubs. He didn't look terrible against Yushin Kami. I don't know what the hell he was doing in the last round, but he didn't look terrible against Yushin Kami. But I think with his, with his power and his um, takedown defense, I think he looked pretty good. Plus, we find dudes that are similar in height. True. Not only that, but I think I think at 170, there are a ton of exciting fights for him at 170. Yeah, I'd love to see him fight Robbie Lawler. I'd love to see him fight. Uh, Jake Ellenberger, wait, Jake Ellenberger. There's a bunch of really good fights for him. So hopefully, hopefully that's um, he, he makes one of the really nice um, well and 
Well, I'm actually glad you brought up Jake Ellenberger because the UFC actually said that uh, Rory McDonald is going to be facing Jake Ellenberger in UFC on Fox 8 July 27th. Also on that card, Mac Danzig, Melvin Gillard, and a rumored fight between Tarek Safadine and Robbie Lawler. Those should all be really good fights. Um, as far as the Rory McDonald and Jake Ellenberger fight, I probably would pick Rory. He's a more well-rounded fighter, but Jake Ellenberger has that stupid one-punch power that he could probably probably hurt him really badly. But um, I, I think, uh, I don't know, I, th- I think Roy would probably be able to beat Jake. I'm interested to see where we go with this Robbie Lawler-Tarek Safadine fight. Because remember, you know, he was Strike Force's last champion. Robbie Lawler's coming off, you know, a, 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 a devastating performance. And from a ranking standpoint, I think either one of these guys probably with one or two more fights can challenge for the belt. In Safadine's case, he's a he's a shoe in considering he was a champion. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see how that fight goes. I, I don't see it going well for Robbie Lawler. No. Nah. Um, though Robbie Lawler is a great boxer, he has never learned how to check a leg kick nope. in his life for some reason. He's going to end up like and Nate Marquardt. He's probably going to just run around and leg kick him. <laughs> that's probably what he's going to do. So, I mean, that's what I'll do. Like, I'm just leg kick him to death because he's not going to check it. So, um, I'm interested to see how the fight goes. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I can't wait for that fight just to see. Maybe Robbie Lawler will check a leg kick maybe one time and maybe catch Derek Zafferdine. I don't know. It should be a good fight. There you have it. All right, well, that actually wraps up all the MMA news for this week. Um, of course, you know, you can follow Ben at Blackout89 on Twitter. I know your Bioshock write-up for Bioshock Infinite will be up probably later on tonight or this morning. And um, share your your hip-hop podcast with some of our listeners because I'm sure they'll love to check it out. All right. Uh, so basically, I have a hip-hop podcast, uh, Double HND um, podcast. Uh, you can find it basically on Facebook. I believe you also can find it on SoundCloud. It's basically me and uh, my friend Taylor. Um, and occasionally we have a third or fourth panelist come in and we basically just talk about uh, hip hop and whatever we find interesting to, to talk about at the time. So uh, just check it out. Um, uh, our first episode, we have two episodes uh, so far. Um, recording the third episode, I believe Sunday. So that should be up probably sometime next week. So uh, just check us out. Like us on Facebook and, uh, Give some feedback. One thing, one thing I do, I do got to say your um your your analysis of the Ray J single was, <laughs> was um it was it was it was definitely up there. I, I got to say this though. I mean, me and John Blade and a couple of couple of other people have discussed that at length, and I've come up to this conclusion. Ray J is going to get ran over by a Maybach coming out of a Target, driven by the dude that Jay-Z shouts out in all his songs. <laughs> that's, how, that's, how that, that's how that beef is going to end for, for a couple of reasons. You know if it, if it goes to wax, Ray J is going to get murdered. And regardless, yeah. it's, like, it's like, you know, in, in my discussions, all I got to say is, you're you're putting out a single that you hit it first. It's like, dude, you may have hit it like a hundredth at best. 
You know, you don't you don't see Reggie Bush uh, touting the extolling the virtues of when he hit because I think Reggie Bush was like 125, and you know Chris Humphreys was like 170. It's like, dude, chill. What are you doing? Oh, man. That's, I don't know. It's just so disrespectful. Like, like, I always do with like, you know, my girlfriend. Like, do you understand? Like, it's so disrespectful. Oh, dude, it's it's one hundred. It's one hundred percent disrespectful. But the the crazy part is, it's like you you you. She must have she must have been the best in the world when you talking about this. That that was in two thousand and seven. And yeah, and you're still beasting. It's like it's like it's like you know, like you're still beasting about it. It's like, dude, you were Whitney Houston's last husband. You you know her her last house husband. You actually helped make mountains of coke for her. Come on, that's what you did. That's what you. What we saw if what we saw in that video was the door, and I don't know what he tripping over. I don't know what he fell over. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so I figured I figured I I, I figured I'd share my thoughts with that. But um yeah, make sure to check out Ben's show. Follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. Of course, you can always comment on the Facebook fan page, especially when it comes to MMA, and Ben will share his thought his thoughts there as well. Anything else? Yep. Uh nah, man. Alright, my dude. Well, I will catch you and um thanks for the assist this week. Alright, peace. Peace. Yeah, so that Ray J. Kim Kardashian uh, situation, I was talking about it with, with John Blade and a uh, buddy of his yesterday. And it, if I if I shared all my all my stuff with her, you know, all my all my commentary from last night with you guys, I think the FCC would somehow find a way to come to my house and beat me senseless. Same thing with uh, my my racist uh, Vince McMahon rants. Which I don't know. We we may see racist Vince on on my take radio tonight. We'll see what happens, depending on how my voice holds up. Because you guys all know that Vince McMahon is definitely like a closet case racist kind of a dude. But <laughs> we we may get into that. We shall see what happens. Anyway, we got to get into some wrestling. I'm sure Jay is probably listening on the Mixler side of things, and he will call in. So without further ado, let's get the ball rolling. And I figure that wrestling will definitely benefit from two things that will be played for the intro this week. Of course, our old standby and a new edition. So with that said, let's get right into it. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! Now that song is stuck in your head. You're welcome. Anyway, so um, wrestling this week was probably one of the craziest weeks of wrestling. Like I said, we had multiple shows going on. We had WrestleCon. We had Ring of Honor. We had, of course, all the WWE programming leading up to Mania, including, you know, main event, SmackDown, Raw from the week, you know, from the week leading up to Mania, 
And then, of course, the card itself that Sunday, we had some Dragon Gate. It was it was a great weekend to be a wrestling fan from start to finish. And best of all, nobody nobody got let down other than those of us that saw WrestleMania. And before we get into discussing WrestleMania at length, I, you know, I want to share with you guys how I ended up watching WrestleMania. This is this is how everything panned out. That that Sunday, I um, you know, we went by, you know, my by my fiance's house to to talk to her, to her dad because. You know, we're st- we're still in wedding planning. I don't talk about the wedding stuff too much on air because obviously that's not something you guys really give a shit about. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of wedding planning going on for yours truly. And um, by the time we ended up getting home, we were supposed to go by and see it with the guys from GFQ. Um, you know, Andrew Zarian and those guys. Uh, shout out to them. And um, what ended up happening was we were still over there. And we lost track of time to the point where Andrew had sent me a text message and he's like, yo, you're coming over to watch WrestleMania, right? And I'm like, holy shit, how many matches did we miss? And he's like, oh, you only missed two. I'm like, really? We only missed two matches? It was almost eight o'clock at the time. So, you know, I'm like, I'm like, damn, not because I wasn't looking forward to WrestleMania, but it was in such a, a it, you know, a lot of the matches were very predictable to the point where if I watched it when it aired or I watched it later on that night, it wouldn't have really made a difference to me. But I will say this with wrestling events and I, even with MMA events and Slick can attest to this, watching it with a group is always an, a, a great and amazing experience for a ton of reasons. Obviously, above all, the the commentary from a lot of people. You know, we all we all have our funny lines and our shit, which always they kind of they kind of help things out and they kind of bring things along. And, you know, they move things along, I should say. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed when we got there. You know, Andrew had ordered some food. He had a couple of his boys there. And we were, we were watching the, you know, we were watching the WrestleMania. And there was just so many things to make fun of that it, it made it made the experience substantially more enjoyable. Like I said, number one being all the crazy shit that happened. Number two, just just clowning some of the things that went on. But just just the enjoyment of watching a, a, a pay-per-view that I'd like to say 75% of the people I spoke to said was bullshit. And I will say this. If I would have spent $70 on that pay-per-view, I probably would have broken my TV like Bane broke Batman's back. I'm not even kidding. That's how That's how frustrated I was for a lot of different reasons. And now, obviously, you're going to have a, a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, you know... You know, Rich, you, 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 um, you analyze wrestling too much and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, guess what, fuckheads? That's kind of like the job of the show. So I can't help myself. But in either sense, I really felt let down by WrestleMania from a purchasing standpoint. And honestly, I think that, um, you know, for those of you that paid for it, whatever, uh, you know, no more power to you. But for me, I would not have paid for that shit at all. Honestly, those of you that that paid the 70 bucks, I can hear your 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 cries and your wails of agony um, just because it was it was I don't want to say it was super weak, but it, it definitely was was subpar for a ton of reasons. Anyway, I'm sure, um, you know, I'm probably going to get the 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 heads up from Slick that that Jay is on the line. And here's here's one thing I got to say before I bring him on. And I got to tell everybody this. 
if you have an opportunity to see WrestleMania in your lifetime, do so. Because regardless of what you felt about the event, every person that went there live told me the same thing. The matches weren't the best matches, but the experience was memorable. I mean, uh, my manager, he brought me a a Heyman Guy t-shirt, which as I broadcast this show, I'm actually wearing. And, um, you know, the funny thing is that he told me, he was like, yeah, some of the matches were, you know, they were all right. But being there, being part of Access, being part of the experience was was just something that my, you know, myself and my children will never, ever forget. And and he met a lot of wrestlers. So, you know, I can understand. And I'm sure Jay's going to have uh, his stories as well. And to answer Dark Helmet's question, yes, Raw the next night was legendary. That's all I'm going to say for now. Anyway. I see that uh, Jay's on the line. Let me bring him on real quick. Jay, what's up, dude? What's going on, boys? Uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for putting me on. It takes me some time to pull away from our cash addiction, but uh, I'm on now. There you go. I um, <laughs> you know, you had you had probably one of the most wrestling-filled weekends that that I've heard of in in the last two years because you had. Access, Ring of Honor, WrestleMania. You know, we had done the show at House of Glory. Um, you know, we got the you got the show tomorrow, the showdown. So it's just it's just been nonstop for you. So I so I gotta ask first before we even talk about Mania. I want to talk about Access because Access was was very interesting. They had a lot of great stuff, but there was also a lot of nickel and diming to see a lot of the more you know higher profile superstars. How was your experience, and who'd you end up paying for um, on the VIP side? Uh, we went on the Friday. Uh, from what I heard, which I felt the same way about, Friday was probably the worst day for access. Uh, it seemed as though that a lot of people felt the same way I did. They were a little bit unhappy about the um, the situation that was going on. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, Okay. Yeah, a lot of people were a little bit unhappy about the situation that was going on with, you know, some of the mid carters and lower carters were being pushed out. And like you said, they were really much nickel and diamond everybody for the VIPs. I mean, from what we knew, Miz was supposed to be, you know, one of the ones that we were going to be able to be approachable that weren't VIP. And he was shuffled in and shuffled out. As for, you know, everything else that was going on, you know, they had the arena filled, they had, you know, activities going on, they had matches going on. That was great. You know, that was that was really cool, you know, for, for fans to really get involved in. Uh on the other side, I mean, when it came to like getting your your, your you know, your photo ops and so wrestlers were very approachable when you had the chance to. They were really pleasant. You know, they they, they knew the the essence of why we were here, what we were doing there. But once again, it just seemed as though like they were just pushing out the product and didn't care what was invested in so much. And that's the corporate ones. As for wrestling, the wrestlers themselves and everybody else, Friday's access all in all was, eh, it was okay. I would do the Bret Hart scale, four out of 10. <laughs> the Bret Hart scale, which is, which is always good. It's true. The funny thing was Friday, I think what was Heyman was there that Friday morning, right? Or was it Thursday for him? It was Thursday. It was Thursday. Yeah. Like a lot of the guys were there. And then I believe Ric Flair was supposed to be there one of the days. And then the people that had the Flair VIP 
I guess they they benefited even more so because they got they got Taker on the VIP. Right. So you know it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing. No, like I said, it was more on the line. Like you know, when we look at it in a in a whole fun, you you expected more. Right. I, mean, I was with a friend of mine who was from Atlanta, and they were at Miami, and his sense and his gaining of it was, you know, if we, you know, if they did it in another venue other than Izod, then it would have probably been a more open and better experience. But seeing as though how the layout was, it wasn't really the type of environment, especially if you're running, you know, you're walking around doing laps and you're trying to find everybody. You know, you're doing one lap and you're saying, oh, I want to get, you know, this this autograph from, let's say, Tensai, and then you come back around and he's gone. Like, you, it just didn't, it just didn't seem to fit well. Well, I always said that, that that access needed to be at the Javits. When I went to Mania years back and they did it at the Javits, it was a tremendous experience because there were guys just walking the floor. You could play games with dudes. They had different little exhibits set up. Plus, you could talk to wrestlers. It was it was tremendous. I like To take what you said into consideration, it's true. The IZOD venue, I don't think, was just conducive to that. Yeah, I mean, like, when you're when you're looking at the whole full plan of the game plan of it, especially when the idea with the matches when the end of the arena, which is great, that that was perfectly set up. I believe that anybody who has access, I was I don't know, I don't have to say about like sixty sixty five percent of people were sitting in the arena because that's what it would be something were more they were more bad for the buck. They were sitting there watching the contest, they had the matches going on, you know, you saw the new thing coming back, like from the NXT or something where they were battling it out. No, I think, um, it's funny because they, you know, my, my manager, he went Saturday, he got to see the, um, the Cassius Ono NXT match. And he also got to see Corey Graves wrestling as well. So he was like, yeah, you know, the Saturday crowd, they had a lot of stuff. And then as the day wore on, they shuffled a lot of guys in, you know, before because, you know, a lot of guys were had to go probably get ready for the Hall of Fame ceremony. So they got a lot of the other guys, you know, Justin Gabriel, those guys that you could just go to, like the photo booths, which were pretty cool. It was it was just you get online, you grab the photo and you break out, you know. Yeah, I saw a couple of guys who were able to, uh, especially in the Saturday morning, uh, eight o'clock session. I was sitting at a guy when once we get to it um, at Ring of Honor who was able to get a picture with Antonio Cesaro, and I was just so envious because I was like, oh, I had my belt, and I wanted to take a picture with him and then autograph it. But, it, you know, it, like I said, it was just like one of those things that it, if they, you know, they pushed him out, got him out there, let them say hi, then they had to roll him out, the assembly line. Well, going into going into that, and I'm glad you mentioned it, you know, you right after Access, you ended up doing Ring of Honor shortly after, the day after. You know the Ring of Honor experience with the crowning of a new champion, the matches on the card. How 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 was the experience for you, and how was it not to be not only part of one title reign, which we'll talk about, but you know uh, one crowning of a champion, but also two crownings in a weekend. <laughs> well, let me tell you. First, it was the first time we went to a Ring of Honor event, and I would definitely tell anybody if you have not been to one. Be sure, coming back August 17th in New York, be sure to be there for the next one. This was like, it was something like I, I would I would recognize as in the indie world where you see, you know, the interaction with the fans and such, you know, how they're able to, you know, be a part of the show. But it was like to another level for me until Monday happened, which we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, 
first thing was when we saw Jay, uh, Jay Briscoe with his championship, it was just a surreal experience because, you know, these guys have been there gritting for a long time since day one with Ring of Honor. And, you know, they worked well, you know, the brothers worked well with each other as a unit and to see them go as a, you know, the singles route. You know, and by the way, we sat for Ring of Honor for four tapings. So I'm not going to have any spoilers for anybody. But we sat for four tapings, and four of those programs are going to be worth watching. I'm telling you. It's unfortunate that New York doesn't, New York City doesn't get Ring of Honor. But uh, if you can find a way to see it, if you can become a member of their, uh, of their, their, their viewing uh, on their website, do it. Yeah, the Ring of the Ring of Honor cards are without a doubt some of the you know some of the most epic cards. Especially in your case, you got the benefit of TV tapings, and you got to you know obviously be part of history. Now, taking taking into consideration that you know we crowned a, a, a new champ with with Jay Briscoe, who is uh, Jay's face of the week this week. I did I did want to ask, besides Jay Briscoe. What guys there that you saw did you you think would make a di- good additions to WWE's roster? Well, uh, like I said, beside the Briscoes, which I think will be you know something that will tie in with the Wyatt family kind of look that's coming up from the NXT. The Briscoes will be like one of those type of guys that'll get the crowd really motivated into backing them, especially with their style. Uh, Adam Cole is a is is a character who works both as a face. And as a heel. Some may say they actually like him more as a heel, but um, I prefer it either way. He's that type of dude that, that brings, you know, his, his pretty boy looks and that type of, you know, persona into the ring. It's, it, it, you know, if you want to say the early early stages of Ziggler, the kid is Jonathan. Adam is one guy who could go in the ring and say, of course, I'm a big fan of Jay Lethal. I mean, TNA. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've met him. I worked with him in the Indies. He's a really cool guy. He's a good guy to work with. He's another guy who's still young. He knows how to work. Uh, he respects, you know, the, what, what, what the, the, the sport is about. And he's the type of guy that you give him a mic and he can rile up the crowd or, you know, he could turn on you in a, in a heartbeat. Jay, Jay is another guy that I really like. Ring of Honor has a lot of potential to bring a lot of guys to the next level, but, once again, it's all about being comfortable with what you're going to do with the mic and how you're going to present it. As in wrestling-wise, these guys are top-notch. Okay. Well, let's get into let's get into the big one. Let's get into into WrestleMania. You were there. I want to. I want to. I'm not going to go through all the matches, but I want to pull out a couple. Um, first, you know, the title change between Wade Barrett and The Miz. A lot of people were saying that The Miz ended up getting that win because they wanted to make him a triple crown winner at WrestleMania. How how'd you feel about that match as a whole, especially you know from from the from a, being in the live audience? Uh, like I said, it was one of those matches where it was a good start up. You know, you pretty much everybody's getting comfortable, getting you know getting to their seats, it's something that can motivate the crowd. I felt that was going to be the match that wanted to turn people over and get them excited about WrestleMania, but. Um, I was a bit confused about it also because I really didn't see Miz coming out, walking away with that. I also hear that he has like an undefeated streak going on at WrestleMania, so that's another thing that they want to hold up. But um, other than that, I, I, I thought that it was a useless title change because he ended up dropping it the next night. Hmm. It, you know, keeping, keeping that streak in there, I, I definitely understand. I think that... The match itself went a little shorter 
than I would have liked. I think, you know, the match was like four minutes. And, you know, you have you have five hours of wrestling for all intents and purposes. So to leave out so many matches, you know, all your major titles should have been defended. You, you know, I kind of just felt that that was poor placement. Like, that, that tons of funk match, if I would have had, you know, if I would have had my way, should have been the, the, the pre-show match. Well, yeah, we saw that, which ended up being bumped anyway. It wouldn't even make it on the car. But the other thing that I look at it was I, I still can't get this thing where Miz is just using the figure four and getting it over and winning these matches. Like, Yeah, that, that know, shit don't I'm work for me. What he has. Yeah. I'm not going to use this. That's enough. I can see me going out. I can't see him going out with Miz with the figure four, but... You know what the problem is, dude, with the skull-crushing finale for me? I could never take that move seriously because it's the same shit as the stroke, as Jarrett's finisher, which for all intents and purposes, you know, is a, is a, is a front leg sweep. It's like... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing about it. Like, you know, when a guy does a finisher, there's always, like, a, an, extra, an extra bit of, of flash to it. Even with DDTs, like you remember, you know, enough guys had DDT finishers, but they all had their different delivery for it. Jake the Snake's DDT, Raven's even flow DDT, even though they were, for all intents and purposes, the same move, there was that unique bit of flair to it that made them stick out. It's like the Miz and Jarrett doing the move, it's interchangeable for me. Yeah, and once again, once you become, you know, watching Ring of Honor, I don't actually have this moment. And seeing those guys wrestle, you become desensitized to finishers because the majority of their signature moves look like finishers. So it becomes a thing that you're going into, you're watching the the, the Stone Crusher finale, and you're going, well, that just looks like a regular move. Let's look up this and what these, these other guys do. That's right. Um, where, wherever you're at, move around because your audio is getting a little funky. Uh, all right, um, yeah, you sound a little better. All right. So, um, obviously the Shield and, and, and Orton, Sheamus and the Big Show, uh, the, the fan, the fan in me wanted the, the Orton heel turn, but we ended up getting, you know, the Big Show, you know, semi turn out of the match. Definitely a, a great coming out party for, for the Shield. Those guys, tremendous chemistry and they just look, they just look great in the ring. I actually thought that match was a lot better than everybody else would have thought it was going to be. Oh yeah. It was surprisingly good. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we actually saw more of them breaking through than you would have ever thought these guys could actually do as a team. We could see them individually doing it, but as a team, they looked fact, you know, they, they put it together for an opening match. Yeah, I was I was super impressed. I think um, Ambrose and Rollins have a great future together if they decide to make that run at the tag team titles. Um, those definitely would be the two guys that would that would definitely work well as a tag team and you know, Roman Reigns with, with a little bit of tweaking would make a solid run at any mid-card title. Yeah, uh, and like you said, everybody was waiting for the Orton heel turn, such as I was. But um, still had me stuck with the whole big show, knocking out Sheamus, and it just, it, it, it was a little bit confusing at the end there. I got I to gotta ask, and, and, you know, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think that it would be that the Shield would work if you added, say, two more members, because, you know, most factions, they always have your mid-card guy, your world title guy, 
your tag team guy and in some cases maybe a, a girl for your for your women's division. Do you do you think the Shield would benefit from adding two more two more assets to their group? Well, if you were going to say the only two that I would probably think about adding them now, if you're going to go that route, I always said you know ever since they sort of been coming up when they started coming up with them, um, Cash's owner would be a great fit for that group, right? And if you wanted to add a girl, uh, you could just throw Paige in there. But you know, a girl looks kind of clunky there. But I think that she she works with them also, the anti diva. Well, you know what was funny? If if she wouldn't have been in the position she's in, I would have put Caitlyn in the Shield. Yeah, she would she'd be a nice fit too. But she she's a little bit too over with them now. They were yep. just you know not giving them that, giving her too much of that that FaceTime look. They made her a little more grittier. She'd be perfect in there also. Yeah, definitely. So the Ryback Mark Henry match, we spoke about it a lot, you know, prior prior to the card. And um, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be, but the ending was definitely a little weird because, you know, Henry Henry got the win, but Ryback still got the shell shock, and he kind of got his heat back. Like, uh, like, like, like I anticipated, I thought it was going to be horrible, but he said it really wasn't. Uh, I thought the, 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 the ending was shitty, and I thought that, honestly, that if it would have been that, um, Ryback would have gotten the win. It gave it more momentum for what he did the next night. Right, I agree with that. I can I can definitely agree. The um the tag. But, um, Go ahead. But like you said, there was that there, there was going to be that high spot to show the, the test of strength. Yeah, that was that was a no brainer. I mean, you know, the crowd from what I saw in some of the pictures people put up, the crowd popped when when Ryback hit him with the with the shell shock because you know that was that was monstrous when people saw. It. They were like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a rare, it's a rare feat when we see a guy who's able to um, pick up Mark Henry like that. So, of, of course, we're gonna have to get on our feet for that, also. But when we're looking at it in a, in a whole, if it wasn't too much of that type of back and forth, test of strength, bear hugging, all this, and just went to straight power moves and straight through, the match would have been easy, easy, one of the biggest pops of the night. Definitely. Well, you know what was funny the the. The the match that ended up becoming a more hard hitting match was the tag team match because Biggie De- Biggie Langston definitely showed he could hang not not that he that he didn't already but he he definitely solidified himself in that match. Well, we're finally going to see what Vince likes in which he likes to have his hand in pushing the big power guys into the into the mix, which is going to be um, slowly but surely bringing that 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 carry over to. You know the powers that be versus you know the the antis again with the CM Punks before because you know we love to see the muscle guys we love to see the guys who goes in there and, you know go in the fight everybody and talk about the ring but then we also like to see the guys who are well. Biggie actually went in there and showed that he could you know as for a new guy and for some of what it's supposed to be the muscle head kind of do and he actually can work and he actually knows how to play more than others in that ring. You know what was funny? Before they put him with Ziggler, I used to say that I wouldn't mind if they started a new nation with Mark Henry, um, what's-his-face, uh, David Otunga. I would put Big E in there and um, Ezekiel Jackson and start a new that's nation. Actually, that's actually a really good uh, good setup for it. So I saw Zeke at, at um, Access, and I asked him, I said, when are we coming back? And he said, you know, he'll be back real soon. So 
this is going to be interesting to see how they roll him out. How they are they going to repackage him, or we're going to just see the monster like he was before? Yeah, it's going to be hard to push him as a monster when you got Big E and Mark Henry kind of in that monster role. But honestly, if if not, I would definitely borrow uh, a throwback and put him and Otunga together like Tony Atlas and Soul Man Rocky Johnson style. And let's get him a manager. We need a we need a mouthpiece in there because uh, the only one in that in that group that would have probably be able to work or the the mic is probably Mark, and that's it. So let's get a manager in there also. Let's get Teddy out and let him be a heel manager. Yep, Teddy Teddy as a heel manager, especially with the dissension they've been teasing between him and Booker. Definitely a nice nice little Teddy Long manager managerial role because you know you've said that before. It's like we need we need more managers out there. Yeah, and you know. And I and I like the way that uh, I like the way that, that WWE does the, the trickery for us because they actually make me kind of bipolar because on NXT I'm rooting for for uh, Big E because he's a face and then he comes to WWE he's a heel so they they're actually messing with my with my my emotions. Oh but yeah. It's cool though because he works well and he does both. Well, of course, the, there was a lot of pressure on on his shoulders and he seemed to do well. You know, Fandango against Chris Jericho was a a very solid match. I actually was shocked that they gave Fandango a nice, you know, WrestleMania caliber entrance with dancers and all that shit. I was like, wow, they really they really took it there. Well, you know, we we have to roll out the carpet for what they didn't know was going to be the new sensation right. of WWE. You know, and we, we had mentioned it already. Jericho was going to put him over. We knew that already. Yep. And even, you know, the heel roll-up, I wasn't even mad at that. That's what you're supposed to do. That's how you pull off the win, especially with that character. But like you said, it, it was it, the pageantry of his entrance was 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 uh, top notch, shocking. Well, you know what was funny? He got a full entrance, yet they cut Zeb Coulter coming out on the golf cart with Jack Swagger. Which, for all intents and oh, purposes, job, yeah, he got the jobber entrance. He got the jobber entrance. He got the jobber entrance, and you know what's crazy? It's like, yo, the dude came down in a golf cart. What did it take him to get down there? Two two minutes. A minute and a half? Like, how do you cut a minute and a half? The guy's in a fucking golf cart. Come on. Well, that was the other thing that they did because, you know, it with, with, with their time constraints, which they were, you know, quote-unquote mentioning, in which they had, you know, as much time as they wanted. I mean, let's be for real. WWE, it's WrestleMania. You know, and what they did was just, just sandblasted you with just promos and promos and, and you know, all this stuff. So, to see Zeb just get Zeb and Jack and Jack Swagger get cut off like that, it was actually kind of humorous, but it wasn't right. Dude, he got he got absolutely no love whatsoever. I'm like, damn. You know, I understand that he that you know he got caught with the weed, but shit. <laughs> and and mind you, I don't know if whether or not they were a little bit upset at that, but his promo before the match was a tad bit hot. I mean, there was a. So, uh, there, there was just some blatant racism going on. Oh yeah, hardcore racism. Like they're really, and that that's funny. That's why I always say like Vince is a is a is a closet. It's a closet racist because I'm like I'm like it takes a dude that shares those those values or or really really entertains them to let that rock so well. Yeah, I mean, and and it just flowed. I mean, I've I've, I've seen trained actors who couldn't make that seem so natural. Yeah, seriously, dude. But you know, it, 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 you know, Del Rio overcame the odds. They got the nice pop. You know, it's not to say that New York and New Jersey don't have a strong 
Hispanic audience because they do. And, you know, people were hyped for Del Rio. He came out. He had nice little mariachi music. Sorry about that. I'm just trying to kill the feed. Yeah, I see. <laughs> that happens to me. It's all right. Yeah. But um, you know, it was it was it was it was good. The 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 pageantry for that was good. I just felt that the the crowd by the time we got to Punk and Taker, they were just waiting. I think at that point they were like, "Yo, please please let this match end." Yeah, you know, being there, I gained that sense also that it was uh, although like I said, it it it, it was one of those things where these matches were predictable and they weren't as bad as people wanted to say they were. I just think that it was a it was pretty early, and at the end of the WrestleMania wrap-up, I saw you know I gave it my opinion why it was. You know, there could have been more to that Del Rio Swagger match. It just seemed to me that it was missing something. Yes, I agree. And they got ten minutes, you know, which is crazy. Yeah. But Punk Punk and Taker. I mean, everybody talks about you know Lesnar and 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 Triple H and and Rock and Cena, but Punk and Taker had. Tremendous storytelling. Even the fact that Undertaker was wearing Spanx and a girdle, but um, you know, besides <laughs> besides him wearing Spanx, you know, for for a guy who's who's whose hip is held together with Elmer's glue, they 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 told a great story. Let me tell you, I after the match was done, I you know, it gave me enough time to have my bathroom break. And while I'm standing online, there was a guy behind me who actually said he's with a group of people. I don't even watch wrestling. I came with you guys, and this match had me, had my emotions all over the place. He said, dude, this is ridiculous. How did, how did I get so attached to that match? Seriously. I've had... But, um, guys, I, I just want to say, with the match itself, um, I, I, like I said, I, I thought, it, I, I thought it, was, it, was, it was very solid. It worked, it worked on all cylinders. Punk is... The man, just best in the world, wrestling wise, able to tell a story, able to get it over, bring the heat, whatever you need. Punk did it, and Undertaker was right there along with him. That was to me what it was epic. And you know the 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 little the little touches, you know, Living Color playing Punk's entrance, the Undertaker with the zombies, you know, the Undertaker with the zombies was was a nice touch. It, It was it was it was so effortless, and and Paul Heyman made that his interactions him holding up the urn when punk had a good spot was was tremendous i i really i really appreciated the way that they told that story and punk came out really damaged out of that match and for a guy whose legs smashed into you know the announce table the heel table that didn't break and and he and he kept up the pace he did it's it's just a tremendous testament to to the performer that he is you know this is why i and i I'm going to generally say that I'm a, I'm a CM Punk guy because I know about his uh, or the way he came up, not because of DVDs I saw, whatever, but, you know, I saw him progress through the indies and such, and I've seen his dedication of why he is where he is. He's the student of wrestling. Everybody else may be bandwagon jumpers because, you know, that's their, their form of Stone Cold, but it doesn't take it to the you are about with the game, then everybody should be on what he's about. Punk is that new. Undertaker, the man of his age, show even to the even to what he has a testament now that he was able to pull out WrestleMania. No, I mean it definitely. You know, 
everything that went on in that match was effortless and you know minus the table didn't break and and, and you know the undertaker was working with very limited you know, how many times did he try for the last ride like we haven't seen him do that in a minute like the undertaker was definitely feeling bold and motivated in that match yeah and, and we, we we could we could we could honestly say that you know looking at it now he he might be looking at his way out the door but you know, he he should if he's gonna go out the door, he's gonna go out the door his way. And I think with this match he proved that this is the way it would be. No, I was I was not only entertained, but I just felt that it went in in a it, you know, a phenomenal story was told. But you know, and then the you know, and then even the cliffhangers, you know, Punk kicked out of the tombstone. I mean like it just it just yeah, it, it, to, to me, it was gripping. It was very, it was very gripping. It was very emotional match. Now, of course, you know the crowd. The crowd for for Triple H and Brock Lesnar. You know, Triple H comes out of Castle Grayskull. He's covered in cocaine, which ended up being dry ice. And um, I laughed because Brock Lesnar's reaction when he came out, he's like, "Yo, what the fuck is that on your stomach?" It was so good. You know I actually thought that he had like for a minute I had to I had to do like a double take. And I was like, man, he was like, like, a, like a, a cat or something because it was more like a neon. I was like, I wasn't quite sure if I was some type of airbrush. Like, what the hell was going on with like, Triple H? Yeah, it was the match itself was good. I was incredibly agitated because I said if Triple H gets his win back by using the Kimura on Brock Lesnar and breaking his arm with it, I'm gonna quit watching wrestling. Because there's one thing you getting your win back, and the other is you straight up burying the guy. Yeah, I would have took more that he would have really like beat the shit out of him with the sledgehammer. That's what the, I was looking more for him to do to wear it down, or at least if we were gonna go that route, let's beat the hell out of it with the sledgehammer and then break it. You know that type of way. But like I told you, I thought this was gonna be the sleeper match, and a lot of people, a lot of people were uh, very pleased, and you know, and especially at the end, you know, the crowd, they, they pretty much ate it. No, it was it, it was it was a solid match. A great story was told. Brock Lesnar, from from what they're saying, he knocked himself out at one point in the match, so he was actually wrestling while while still dazed from the spot that he took. So. Again, just a, a testament to, to a guy that even though he works, you know, 10 shows or whatever it is, the guy the guy definitely came out ready to work and ready to perform. Not only that, but it seems that he went on his uh, on a really nice cycle because he had his original debut body in full effect. Well, that was the thing that, that, that actually surprised me more, but not too much because, you know, I saw little by little when he kept coming back to the bike that he was tightening it up. And when he came out, I said, whoa, this guy, is he's jacked. He's, a, he, he, he's set to go. But you mentioned that he was knocked out, you know, probably like 90 seconds in. I don't think anybody really noticed because, uh, as you can see, he didn't change from his personality. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was it was uh, I was I was really glad that that the match was better than I had ex- expected, especially considering how how let down I was with the main event. I just, I felt you know. That match, when they spent twenty minutes exchanging finishers, I was I was done. I was done with the championship match at that point. Yeah, I mean, that was probably going to be like the reason why I really should have that match. How it went better, 
got injured in that match you can see when they walked up the ramp and he was like you know kind of doing like the passing of the torch the you could see the look on his face like yo this match was bullshit understand you know the the part-time champion thing definitely was wearing thin i just you know i just felt that for a match that they those guys had so much on the line you know quote unquote that they could have just told a better story but this also leads me to you know leads me to the conclusion that when you're when you're a guy like the rock coming in off off such a big layoff and not wrestling as much you really should take the time when you're coming back and working off that ring rust and training for that match to, to to vary your offense, to show us something a little more. Because when we saw that many finishers, it just looked to me like, yo, they ra- they each ran out of their five moves of doom, you know? Yeah, and obvious i was like oh come on man come on but you know what can you do but the funny thing was i felt that that wrestlemania was the pre-show for raw because raw between i think i think a bigger part of raw was the crowd but just just the way that the matches worked and the way that the the pacing worked i i i felt raw was the, that wrestlemania was the pre-show for raw let me just say, I am honored and pleased to say that I was there. And even me being a part of that crowd, I was, you, I, I, I felt, I felt that energy. I felt, you know, everybody says, you know, that's a cliche line or whatever. But honestly, you felt it. Like, it was going to be, it was going to be on that day. Even when we were outside going in, you know, the fans in the crowd were, you know, and if you don't even get the chance to see superstars, you know, even then you saw that it was about to start. It was going to kick up that night. There was that energy was there. And it was just like, where the hell were you guys yesterday? Yep, I agree. Well, you know, the funny thing, the um, Biggie Langston taking on Daniel Bryan, again, just Biggie Langston showing us a little bit more in that match. I was, I was definitely thoroughly impressed. I do have to admit that the crowd really forced Cena to, to kind of acknowledge them in a way that they were in on on his 
you know, on his whole spiel. When they were chanting boring and, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to do the little dance. He goes, perhaps, a, you know, a little heel turn. You know, it was good because you can see that Cena is starting to really acknowledge the crowd in a way that he's finding ways to intentionally get under the crowd's skin. Well, he gets that, and it's also that he's one of those guys that has his finger on the pulse of what they want, what they're asking for. I mean, come on. He's got to be hitting the dirt, and he knows that, you know, the IWC, you know, what they're feeling and all. And this is why I, I also say that a lot of these guys, a lot of these crowds, and, you know, a lot of these fans, they're they doing it in the intent just because they think it's the thing to do. Let me be a non-Cena lover, and it's, uh, it's, it's the end. But it only feeds him. The guy works off of it. And you know what? That's what, and whatever, he or pop, whatever, as long as it's an emotion, that's all that matters. I, I felt honestly that in, in, you know, in Cena's case, if you've ever gotten a chance and if you haven't seen it already, there's a video of him where he was a plant in a casting call and he was a character named Brubaker. And um, the John Cena Brubaker video is without a doubt epic on so many levels. And I've always said that if he does, you know, if you don't turn heel, he needs to make his character the way Brubaker was because he was super intense, dude. Intensity to the point of it being scary. And I think that's what Cena needs. Yeah. Cena doesn't need a heel turn. He just needs to step out of that, oh, salute the crowd, blah, blah, blah. Like, he should be the guy that... You you know you guys want to cheer me great you don't want to cheer me then I I don't I don't need you guys I don't need the guys that don't want to boo me the guys that cheer me you know he should acknowledge it in a way that's not heelish but isn't a face either more tweener yeah, you could come out more you tweener could come out you know just say I'm here to fight I'm here to throw down you know don't even have to work it just just go out there and just be the machine that you 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 are the, the what you are because the guy is Jack I mean. We've seen his strength. We've seen how he can do it. His moves probably just aren't flashing the pan. But the guy is strong as hell. And to be that push-through machine, that, 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 that is, like you said, it would be an easier way for him to go over. There you go. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But I will say, you know, the, the Wade Barrett title change was, was great. You know, the crowd reacted great. But the match itself was leaps and bounds better than their WrestleMania match. Wade Barrett using the nice Cactus Jack elbow, uh, you know, uh, uh, outside of the ring. And just the way he delivered his finisher for to, to get the belt, it, it just looked a little different than he usually does. And it just looked more devastating. So definitely a nice a nice bit of uh, brilliance out of, out of Wade Barrett this past Monday. Well, he he had a he had a nice backing because from what they was what they were saying, a lot of those those fans were carryover fans from WrestleMania, and many of them were Europeans. So he had a backing already set forward. That was good motivation for him there because as soon as Miz came out, I even said to myself, I said, "Wow, a title can really change a crowd." I mean, he was you don't hear it much when I when I played it back and saw it on television, but in in the arena, they were booing him out of the they were booing him out of there. Damn. But the match itself in the hole was very clean. Uh, except for that one box that Miz had, other than that, the match was very, it, it was very spot on. And when you listen to his finishing, it, it was probably the best time that anybody liked that the Blue Hammer work. Definitely. It, de- it definitely was. And then, 
you know, with that level of storytelling going into, you know, the Del Rio um, swagger match, which led obviously to Ziggler cashing in, the, the storytelling with the ankle was pivotal. And it just showed that Alberto Del Rio, even though he he's still a bland persona, he knows how to tell a good story because with the, the way he sold that ankle injury and the way that Ziggler used that injury to his advantage was so perfectly executed. Not only that, but they made Ziggler win the belt, but he had to fight for it. He didn't use the tried and true um, edge cash in where edge comes in when the guy's like practically dead, hits the finisher and then wins the belt. Del Rio showed he still got a little fight at him, which is good. And it made Ziggler's win more legitimate. And there was a lot of pieces that that's why I worked well on how they set it up because there was still a lot of pieces, a lot of elements that had to be monitored and checked for. As in, the corner was still out there. We had Big E and AJ out there because at any moment you could have seen Ricardo come in and break it up, a disqualification. So there was a lot of you know moving pieces to make sure that when Ziggler wins, that it was going to be that exciting for it to be done. And let me tell you, I've been to a lot of ma- I've been to a lot of matches. I've seen a lot of guys go over. I can honestly say I have never heard a pop the way I did when Ziggler won. Never. I think the closest it was brilliant. The closest pop I ever heard to that on that of that magnitude was when Triple H came back from the torn quad at the Garden. That was about it. And and even that were was different circumstances. You know, that was that was a guy coming back from injury. Uh, you know, a championship pop. Ziggler, it wasn't just the fact that the crowd was into it because Ziggler won the match, but it was because the crowd was just like, yo, finally. Yeah, you know, and as much as we sat there, we was like, when is he going to catch? They wrote it out to where it was gratifying that we yes. finally got the release. It was like, thank you. Oh, we got it. You know, and, you know, I have people on Twitter, I have people on Facebook, there, you know, who, who are novice or probably not even into wrestling. They're like, isn't Ziggler a heel? Like, why is everybody cheering? Yeah, well, you know, that was partially the crowd as well. But, you know, it's funny. The, um, you know, it's funny that they gave the, the WrestleMania payday match to Ziggler, I mean, to Ziggler, to Ryder, Truth, and Santino, and the 3MB. Because you and I both both know that had they done some sort of bullshit battle royal, all six of those dudes would have been in it. Oh, yeah, please. That would have been, that would have been um, the 20-man Jabba Royal. Yep. So, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the guys were definitely upset that they didn't get a chance to perform on the card. So I think that was their makeup for that match. And it, it wasn't bad. I honestly thought that their match was going to get broken up by somebody coming out and, and beating all of them up. But I'm, I, I was pleasantly surprised they let it go completely. I mean, you know, you got the guy, you know, they, they're, you know, these, these are the guys who are the comedy relief, you know, but with that, you still need, you still have this, you still need to have the skill set to put together a match. And, you know, I, I hey, I didn't go to the bathroom. I watched it. I, I, I was, I enjoyed it. Well, dude, that Sheamus and Randy Orton match, the, besides the match itself, yo, Randy Orton forgetting his lines. Like, yo, I can understand if you were, you know, if you were, um, you know, what's his name? Brad Maddox, you know, like a guy just on the come up. But, dude, you've been there a minute and you straight were like, yo, what are my lines again? I was like, yo, come on. Well, 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the high road on this one. I'm gonna say <laughs> if we turn him heel, he won't have this problem. He is not used to this kind of <laughs> this that, kind of pressure of being the face. That's a good way to look at it too. But let's be real, Randy Orton is a pothead. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that'll do. Yeah, we can blame it on that, too, allegedly. Yeah. We can do that. <laughs> you know that, man. That dude, Randy Orton's in a stage in his career where Vince is like, yo, don't even drug test this fucking guy because, you know, we're going to have to cut him because he's got two strikes against him and I can't afford to cut him. So it's 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 like, yo, yeah. it's, you, you want to eat 12 pot brownies before you come out? Knock yourself out. Damn it. Eat all the weed you want. Go ahead. <laughs> Seriously. Feed that, him more. That's it. Feed him more. Seriously, dude, because it's yeah, like my, my, you know, my manager got his WrestleMania cap signed by Randy Orton, and he's like, yo, Randy Orton has big-ass hands like you said, and you can just see on his face that he's a pothead. It's funny. You notice now when they when they turn him into the Viper, you know, they always focus on his eyes being extra small. It's like, yo, when did your cheek muscles get so big that I can barely see your eyeballs? Yeah. Basically, the funny is that the guy was, you know, he, he, he brings up the high intensity and you're still doing like, how do you do that on weed? Like, how do you that you get, like, Usually you want to go to you know take a nap. This guy's still charged up. Yeah, he's he he he's super pumped. I think that the that the thing is that Randy Orton and and you know I've talked about this at length with a few people. I've always felt that Randy Orton is lazy as fuck, but he knows that he's got a guarantee. You know he he knows that he's a shoe in due to his, who his father is and his placement in the company. Like I'm not saying he's a shitty wrestler because he's not. But I just feel that he doesn't give it 100% because he knows he doesn't have to. Yeah, you can see at this point in time that he's pretty much coasting, you know. And what's crazy is that during once the MX kicked off, that's when it really went into high game with the fans. The fans, the crowd, let you know, they were not happy on how it was. Because technically, this wasn't supposed to be the match. The match was supposed to be you voted in. Well, that's the dude. I guarantee you that somebody was like, "Oh, we're gonna do this raw active," and Vince was like, "Which one of you sons of bitches said we're gonna do a raw active?" <laughs> I didn't want that shit because that's the way it looked. It, it was down. it was so awkward. Like like Booker and Vicky come out like, "Oh yeah, you know, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna just do, we're gonna just do this match. You guys are gonna wrestle." And it's like people were, were, were texting me like, oh, so I guess that vote that I just did on Twitter don't count for shit. Do it. And it's just like, yep, <laughs> guess it don't. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like, it's like, yo, Twitter, Twitter accomplished jack shit. But, you know, the match itself, whatever. I, I think it was just funny that they, you know, people were, were thanking the big show for knocking out Orton. Like, I think the crowd just saw that Orton was phoning it in and they didn't want to deal with it. They were just like, all right, get, get this shit out of here. Actually, the things happened before because as soon as he hit his music hit, that's when everybody started saying, thank you, Big Show, because he interrupted the match because everybody was just like, oh, we've seen this already. We didn't, this is not what we wanted to see. Yep. So that, every, see that's when the, 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 the JBL chance was happening. The savage chance. Everybody just was like in their own world and doing their own thing. They were not. They, they weren't even having this match. 
Yeah, they they, they were not um they weren't digging it whatsoever. And um you know it, it's funny because they the crowd was and and JBL said it. He's like you know it's a very smart crowd. That that was just his way of you know acknowledging like yo there's some there's some smart motherfuckers in here tonight. <laughs> And then, of course, and you know, let me tell you, and, they, and they let him know, and they let and believe me through the whole night. Even, and I just want to say this: even during the commercial, I was thinking, I had a friend of mine, my boy Ernesto went. He was in Atlanta. He was in Miami. He was there for Miami's taping of Raw, which was a hot crowd. He said it himself. He said, "Dude, Miami was good, but New York, New Jersey blew him out the water. That Monday Night War was the, that Raw was undoubtedly probably the greatest Raw ever." Yeah, I tell you what, it, when they put out the, the Blu-ray for Mania, that Raw better fucking be on it as an extra. Because it was, you know, usually I buy I buy the WrestleManias and usually they include the, the Raw before and the Raw after. They th- That Raw better be on there. Better. It's not even a question of, oh, you know, it's a bonus. No, 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 no. That shit needs to be a chapter on that disc. Well, they had they were selling T-shirts that said for WrestleMania I was there. They needed to sell T-shirts. They need to sell T-shirts since I was at that wall and make sure that people have proof of their tickets because that was a, like I said I've never been at an atmosphere like that before ever. Well, you know it was crazy. You know, obviously, you know, Fandango was made Monday night because dude, it's it's like when you were putting up tweets and stuff and you're like, yo, people are still singing this theme music. It's like. You know, like I was saying, it's like, yo, you guys are really popping for I Dream of Genie. You know that- how many people actually said that? My, my aunt actually came up to me and she told me the same thing. She goes, it's so, that song is just so similar to I Dream of Genie. When I hear it, that's what I think about. Yeah, and everybody thinks it's, you know, it, it's it's like revolutionary shit. Yo, it, it, it trips me out that the song is like number three on iTunes. You know, because... It's funny. You know, it's, it's funny because... Whenever a friend of my, whenever my, my coworker, he comes to see me from during lunchtime or before he leaves, the first thing that he does is he starts singing the Fandango thing. And we just laugh. And this was before Monday Night Raw. We were just doing it because we go, oh, my God, that guy's so annoying. But I'm like, oh, he's just going to get over that. You know, he's drawing the heat. And then when this happened, I looked and I thought, well, I thought he was starting the chance goofing. But he's like, no, dude, I was just loving how everybody else was on it. And they did it through the whole night. Well, the, the the crazy the crazy thing also is that the, you know that was that was this year's yes moment. That's what that was, right. you know. So so you know, like, like I said, you know, the guy the guy's not a shitty talent. It's just he's he's kind of stuck in a, in a in a rather simplistic gimmick. So you know, he's making the most of it. So it's crazy that the crowd just just put that over. Hopefully, he can ride that well, I- train like Brian did. Yeah, what I thought was really cool was that you know I don't I don't know if it was just the producers that did, that just didn't um that didn't that didn't turn it off or, or low or dim down the, the the sound because sometimes they do that but um when the announcers when Cole JBL and King they were acknowledging it I thought it was actually even better because you know usually when occurrences like that they try to you know ignore it you know that's not part of but they acknowledged it and they even brought more fire to it like it was just like something that. This thing is gonna it's gonna start rolling over because it's just catchy as hell. Everybody was getting into it. I will tell you though that on during WrestleMania, WWE did pipe audio in. They did pipe in crowd noise on fucking Sunday. Oh God, let me let me just go to that quick. Listen, 
I'm going to be honest to say, and, and, I, and this week I was going to actually put um, WrestleMania's crowd as the heel of the week because <laughs> it's just, you know, you know, everybody's saying, well, you know, it's an open stadium. You know, it was, you know, you can't really get the crowd. Now, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm at, I was at a lower level. I was at a pretty good spot. These guys were dead off. I think they were sleeping most of the day because when I came in, you know, they, everybody was tailgating. So there was a lot of alcohol consumption. So by the time they got into this building, I think they were already buzzed out and they were done for the, for the rest of the night. The, 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 the emotion, the excitement that I wanted from WrestleMania was, was great to be there. It was happy to be there. But that should have been what we saw on Monday night. Monday night was the carryover where it was just blown, it was blown out of the water. Yeah, definitely. You know, it definitely was a night of of it was just so memorable from start to finish. You know that, that we got the eight person tag match, which whatever it was, all right. You know, it is what it is. Um, the John Cena Mark Henry match, I really would have liked, and this is just me that, but when Ryback came out, yo, him and Mark Henry should have just whooped John Cena's ass, and then Ryback should have whooped Mark Henry's ass too. You know, because yeah, cause he, you don't want to make Ryback a full... Honestly, in my opinion, you don't want to make Ryback a full heel. You want to make Ryback the guy that wants to be at the top of the food chain. That doesn't make you a bad guy. That just makes you the guy that wants to be number one. The Number two doesn't go home and fuck the prom queen. Number one does. Well, see, that's the thing that I, I, don't, I don't know whether they, they really knew how to break it down to... Are we gonna make him a heel, or are we just gonna make him uh, 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 a that that's gonna go through any any form or any person just to get what he wants? Because once 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 Cena was down and he picked him up for the handshake, and then boom, the shell shock happened. I mean, all you heard was a pop. It wasn't like anybody was booing. It wasn't until I heard Raw after you know late on the playback that the, the, the commentators were selling it as a, as a heel moment. So it's like you're not sure what are they pushing for. Yeah, I don't – I in my opinion at this point, Ryback should just be booked as a tweener, not as a heel. There's no necessity for it, just as a guy that wants to be number one. Look at Goldberg. There were times when Goldberg would spear faces too because Goldberg was Goldberg. Yeah, and then, you know – Honestly, if you're going to turn Ryback heel, give him some sort of a fucking manager, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> but overall, you know, Raw was a tremendous show. You know, I'm glad I'm glad you were part of so many historical moments. It was, you know, you you definitely were were rewarded for as a fan because you got to experience like I said, a Ring of Honor title change, title changes at WrestleMania, history with Ziggler at at at, at Jersey. You know, it's it's like 
if 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 the end if the world ended tomorrow, I think as a wrestling fan, you would say you've you've been rewarded. Oh please, I'm, I, I I I feel as though that I've I've. It's like if I if I went to Cooperstown and I went to Canton, and then you know had a beer with one of my favorite basketball players. Like it, it was just like one of those that 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 type of weekend. And it's not even done because tomorrow I have the indie show with House of Glory and Fight the World. So. The wrestling still continues. There you go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your um, to your write up for that. So, oh, by the way, if you guys don't know, tomorrow House of Glory fight the world on World Field. Uh, it is the showdown: Bruce Leroy versus Earl Cooter. If you guys don't, if you don't know the '80s uh, cinema, The Last Dragon, you better. Who's the master? Yeah, I'm not. That that's I'm looking forward to that. I mean. You know, I'm I'm probably working late tomorrow, so I won't be able to check it out. But Earl Cooter, when when I when I saw the last show, definitely impressed me. So, um, you know, I think it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a solid match. I I'm, I don't know I don't know about Ty Mox wrestling ability, but I think just in terms of nostalgia, it's gonna be worth watching. Listen, it's Bruce Leroy. <laughs> he catches bullets with his teeth. We've got to be there. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> all right, well, that actually wraps up all the coverage with regards to Mania and Raw and most of the other stuff. Last but not least, I got to make sure to let everybody know to follow you on Twitter at jsanty, S-A-N-T-Y, not T-I-P-S-W, on Twitter. And, of course, look for you on MyTakeRadio.com and on our Facebook fan page as well. Any place else people can find your work or you want people to keep up with you? I'll be posting shortly uh, where you can get uh, our YouTube pages, uh, where we'll be able to link up and see some old video footage of you know wrestling, how to link up. And uh, just hope to bring more exciting articles and more uh, talk to you guys. There you go. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care of yourself. Peace. Have a good night. You too. Later. So there you have it, folks. Jay Santee came. We talked a little bit of WrestleMania, talked a little bit of Raw. I was going to get into Impact, but the crazy thing is I was halfway through Impact this week before I had to do a couple of sound checks and um, didn't get to watch it all. All I will say is that um, Bully Ray and Jeff Hardy put on a solid match um, with, with the Full Metal Mayhem to close out impact and hopefully based on what people are telling me it was, it was ridiculous. So I'm going to definitely check that out after we finish tonight's show. I did want to just um, touch base on a couple of the other wrestling articles this week. Um, those of you that went to WrestleCon, WWE had legal representatives going through the entire venue, try seizing bootleg materials, including DVDs, t-shirts, etc. that were being sold at the event. These representatives had a legal order which allowed them to seize any materials sold within five miles of WrestleMania. This is a tactic that you often see when there's concerts and stuff to prevent people from buying bootleg t-shirts. Um, I will say this, and I'd like to tell those of you that run smaller shows or do certain events, please, please, please be wary of this type of stuff when you're doing it close to a WWE pay-per-view or large event, you will be subject to legal ramifications. So if you're out there and you're putting out some compilation DVDs you made at home, 
et cetera, et cetera. Just word word of advice: do not do not sell that stuff at whatever venue you're working at, especially if it's within close proximity of any WWE events, because they are going out there and definitely chasing you down. I got to give some kudos to the WWE. They are the founding partners for the 2014 Special Olympics Games. Uh, My younger sister competed in some of the Special Olympics Games when she was in school. It's a tremendous event. If you need motivation to get out of bed because you're a lazy piece of shit, uh, definitely watch some Special Olympics because there's a, a tremendous athletes in there that overcome more obstacles than anybody else can overcome in a day to just do track and field and some of the other Olympic events. And it's it's tremendous. And it's good to see WWE do that, especially because they are an entertainment company. They are doing good things with Make-A-Wish, even Be A Star, which you know we make fun of for obvious reasons, but... You know, definitely a, a, a huge kudos to them for that. Um, as we were saying earlier, Triple H got the dry ice burns. Turns out he posted on Twitter that they were second degree burns on his torso and arms. I'm sure that whoever decided to use nine pounds of ni- of dry ice for his entrance is most likely fired or possibly killed because they didn't need that much fog for the Undertaker's entrance and, you know, even though he came out of bootleg Castle Grayskull, you know, it does suck that he got those second-degree burns. And not for nothing, he got those burns and still wrestled a match where his body was pretty much rubbing on the mat and on areas that probably made those burns tremendously worse. So kudos to Triple H for powering through that. Uh, we got a brand-new signee for the WWE. Irish women's wrestler Rebecca Knox got signed to a developmental deal. Uh, she's um, She knows mixed martial arts, does gymnastics, acting, and stunt work. She's also wrestled in top women's promotions, including Shimmer. So it's going to be very interesting to see if they decide to do the what you know is the no-brainer storyline and pair her with Sheamus. Um, big things, definitely, if you want to look her up, it's Rebecca Knox, K-N-O-X. And definitely get familiar. I think she'll be a great asset to the women's division if they actually start doing something with the women's division we shall see. Speaking of which, you know, some of the developmental talent in NXT are pretty much on the verge of being called up. One guy in particular, Bray Wyatt, who a lot of you may know as Husky Harris. Also on that list, Cassius Ono, um, formerly Chris Hero, and of course, Adrian Neville, who a lot of you know as Pac, are pretty much the guys that are rumored to be getting the call up to WWE TV. A lot of people are saying that they are main roster ready and they should be called up very soon a couple of sites reported this including wrestling observer wrestlezone uh, raja.com a lot of sites are pretty much all saying the same thing that we may see these three guys up sooner rather than later honestly i would like to see the wyatt family get the call up and maybe have them managed by zeb coulter because they fall into that similar uh dynamic and i think zeb coulter would be a great mouthpiece for those guys And it would allow either Swagger to be part of a stable and kind of have the spotlight away from him for a little bit. Or if you want to break Swagger off and give him a separate run and still make use of Zeb Coulter, I think the Wyatt family would be a welcome addition for him. All right. That wraps up this week's wrestling segment. Uh, We are approaching 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Got to take a moment, send a birthday shout out to Alex Reyes from House of Glory. His birthday was Thursday the 11th, but I didn't get a chance to do that earlier in the show. So definitely a birthday shout out to Alex Reyes, one half of 
True Talent. Make sure to look up True Talent on Facebook to learn more about this up-and-coming tag team. All right, so now, with that said, it's 1.30. Um, the 2 a.m., the feed for Block Talk Radio goes off-air at 2 a.m. There is probably... Uh, an 80% chance we are going into overtime. So with that said, I'm going to make the announcement now that if you want to keep listening to the live show, you can listen to it by going to Mixler.com forward slash my take radio, M I X L R forward uh, dot com forward slash my take radio. You can also find our Mixler player on my take radio.com. I'll make this announcement again, closer to 2 AM when our blog talk radio feed goes off air. All right. Let's talk some video games because there are a decent amount of gaming news for this week and we got to definitely sprint to the finish. So let's get right into it. So the critically panned Aliens Colonial Marines was obviously on Xbox 360 PS3, but there was also going to be a launch on the Wii U it seems that that no longer is going to be the case. Sega has confirmed that the Wii U SKU is no longer in development. I mean, you know, the game just got terrible reception at launch. There were a ton of bugs and a ton of problems, and I guess Sega decided to cut their losses and not put out a Wii U release. If you were looking forward to that, sorry to break it to you, but it is not happening. One game that I've been a fan of for as long as I can remember is Donkey Kong Country, especially on Super Nintendo, and those of you that own a 3DS will get the opportunity to play Donkey Kong Country once again with Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. It's going to be released on the 3DS with brand new content on May 24th. Obviously, it's a remake of the Wii game, uh, the Wii version of Donkey Kong Country. You're going to get new trophy levels that can be unlocked by collecting puzzle pieces in the original levels, plus they're going to include what's called an easier mode, That will give Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong three hearts instead of two. Plus, the game is going to feature local co-op as well. So if you're a fan of the Donkey Kong Country series and you got a 3DS, you'll be able to pick that up May 24th. Namco and Bandai put out a game a while back called Project X-Zone, which I've always wondered if it was going to get a U.S. release because I was intrigued at the concept and I wanted to check it out. It seems that they will be releasing it For the 3DS, the strategy RPG will be dropping June 25th, my birthday. Kind of cool. Might make that a birthday present for myself. It's being co-developed by Monolith and Ben Presto. The game features over 200 characters from Capcom, Sega, and Namco Bandai. So there you go. If you have any interest in this game, definitely pick it up. Um, One of the reasons I say that is not so much because um, of the companies involved, but because... A lot of Japanese stuff usually doesn't get brought over to the U.S. because people feel that the the U.S. fans just won't get into it. And I think that games like this, if they do well, um, you know, they, they, they kind of just raise the profile for, for niche titles like that. So definitely, if you're an RPG fan, give the uh, Project X-Zone a shot this June. In some Batman news, it looks like Batman Arkham Origins is official, according to Game Informer. Uh, This brand new game is going to have, it's going to take place before Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, and it's going to follow Batman as he meets a lot of his villains for the first time. And the main villain, from what I've heard, is going to be Black Mask, who is going to bring a team of assassins to 
Gotham City to assassinate Batman, including Deathstroke, who I'm a huge fan of, so I'm glad to see Deathstroke getting some love in a game. And um, they're also going to be releasing another game, which is Arkham Origins Blackgate for the 3DS and the Vita on the same day. Now, Rocksteady is not developing this new um, Arkham Origins game. It's actually being developed by Warner Brothers Montreal, which did the Wii U port of Arkham City. So with that said, you know, if it, they're, they're going to definitely be using the Rocksteady engine, but it's a brand new team behind it. I'm looking forward to it. I think the the Batman games were probably some of the best comic book games I've played in the last five years. They're incredibly enjoyable. And to see some of these assassins, I'm sure they're going to use like Deadshot, Deathstroke. Maybe they'll use some of the League of Assassins like Lady Shiva and some of those characters. So I'm really looking forward to it. And to think we only have to wait till October 25th to try it out. So definitely pumped for that. Another game that's getting the reboot treatment and it's coming out on the Vita is going to be Muramasa, which is now going to be called Muramasa Rebirth. Um, it's the Vita remake of Muramasa the Demon Blade, also coming out on my birthday, June 25th. If you pre-order the game from Amazon or GameStop, you will get the Blessing of Amitabha Edition, which is going to include, um, it's going to run you 60 bucks. You're going to get a skin for your Vita, plus a Hori cover, a console pouch, and a framed lithograph. Also, any pre-orders for the game will get an abridged soundtrack with five songs from the game. Uh, Muramasa the Demon Blade was a game that went under the radar and it was tremendously enjoyable, had amazing art, and I think will benefit from making its debut on the Vita. But I also would have liked to have seen it maybe on the PSN and Xbox Live. Hopefully that can happen at some point because it is a very enjoyable game. The Far Cry franchise is also getting an extended run with Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. It's going to be a standalone shooter which will be released on Xbox Live, PSN, and PC on May 1st. In addition, if you get the game on the PC, you'll get a copy of the game's soundtrack. So there you have it. If you're a fan of the Far Cry series, you'll be able to pick up Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon for Xbox Live Arcade, PSN, and PC on May 1st. So it's a short gaming segment this week. Not too much going on. Things are a little quiet. So we're going to jump right into this week's entertainment news. So I know that Slick mentioned that he had some stuff he wanted to share about Transformers Prime. I'm sure when he's ready, he will drop me a line. Um, This week, of course, in entertainment, we got some small screen news. We got some big screen news. But we got to start with some what the fuck movie news, which it's been a while. And the one I want to discuss is this. We all know that we're getting a Hercules movie with The Rock, right? We all know it. And it's it's already in process. But check this out. We're, We're getting another Hercules movie called Hercules 3D. It's going to be directed by Rennie Harlan. It's coming from New Image Millennium Films. It has a $70 million budget, and it will start shooting in Bulgaria this May. Now, this movie, according to The Hollywood Reporter, is going to be a, uh, you know, an action and romance. You know, it's going to be an action and love story with Hercules, the son of Zeus, falling for the mortal princess of Crete, who was promised to Hercules' older brother, though she loves Hercules. So, besides all that, here's the crazy thing. 
the, the guy who's being cast as Hercules is Kellen Lutz, who a lot of you may know from the Twilight Saga. He also played Poseidon in Immortals. Kellen Lutz, he's, he's not a terrible actor, but why do we need two Hercules films? This has happened before where two of films covering the same genre come out and one of them is destined to fail. We already have this going on with Olympus Has Fallen and uh, White House Down with, with Channing Tatum. Same thing, covering the same type of a story and one of them is destined to fail. Same thing here. We got Hercules 3D. Rennie Harlan isn't a bad director, but Kellen Lutz, I, I don't think that guy can carry a movie by himself, but what the hell do I know? But, you know, that's, like I said, it's it's the other, it's going to be competing against the Brett Ratner-directed Hercules with The Rock. So definitely very interesting to see where they go with that. I think that the, you know, The Rock as Hercules will probably have more box office appeal than Kellen Lutz. That's for damn sure. Let me bring Slick on. We got to talk a little bit about Transformers Prime, and Slick is going to give me the assist to run through this week's entertainment news. So let me bring him on. Slick, what's up, brother? How are you? <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, 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 it's just, it's, it's like drugs, man. It really is like drugs, but you know, what can you do now before, before we, we, we talk a little bit about this Transformers prime situation. We, you know, what do you think Two Hercules films? This happens at least once or twice a year where two movies covering the same source material get released a couple of months apart. And one of them just tanks terribly. It's like I said, man. It's like you have you have the Rockets Hercules, which it doesn't matter how good or bad the movie actually is. The fact that the Rock is in the movie means it's it's asses in seats. Hashtag asses in seats. I agree. So, and, I agree. You know, it's, it's gonna be enjoyable because. You know, The Rock's going to add his, you know, his... He's going to add himself to the movie. I mean, a movie like that with Hercules, you, you've got to have some, at least some degree of humor in it. Just because Hercules, I mean, anybody knows any of the legends of Hercules, like, his whole his whole story was putting up with shit and just overcoming, you know... Unsurmountable uh, um, odds and having to do the, the labors and everything. And like, if they do that story with the rock, there's going to be rock humor in there. There's going to be Dwayne Johnson humor in there. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be an enjoyable movie. And then you have what I like to call the other one. There you go. I, I, I definitely got to agree with you there. I mean, the, the the thing with The Rock also is it's going to have shades of, of Scorpion King where, you know, it's going to be The Rock having fun and definitely, um, you know, like, like you said, he's going to be adding a little bit of himself to that role. I can't see how he's going to be at least not 100% serious. There's no way. Because if we're going to be, why the hell would you cast The Rock? You're not saying he can't do a serious role. Because we've seen him do it before. We've seen him do it recently. But it's like, a movie like that with Dwayne Johnson, 
no way how is it going to be 100% serious one. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things now with The Rock, especially, you know, coming out of WrestleMania with an injury. He's supposed to start filming this movie. We're, we're, we'll see how, how well it fares. I mean, Hercules movies, you know, sword and sandal films, they're hit and miss. So, you know, we got a couple of months to see uh, which one which one definitely is going to stand out the most. Now, on, on the small screen side of things, I know, you know, we got Transformers Prime coming up later on today. And, you know, you I know you wanted to share some thoughts on it. I know that I'm really looking forward to tonight's episode because we're, we're going to see some cool shit because somebody unfortunately put out a review that actually had way too many spoilers. So I'm like, fuck, you know, my bubble was bursted. But, you know, there, there's a lot of shit definitely to look forward to. I agree. I mean, just last week's episode uh, just had uh, shades of things to come. <clears throat> and it's going to be an interesting season with the whole Beast Hunter, Hunter thing and everything, but my my whole point, what I, what I really wanted to touch on was a lot of people who know me know that I have a very strong hate for Ultra Magnus. Yep. Oh, I know. And this this past week's episode just gave me a brand new reason to just want, want the latest to come on. Because another thing, if you know the history of Transformers, Ultra Magnus is good for two things. Leading people and dying. Yes. And I can't wait for him to start doing the latter in the show. <laughs> now, in the original Transformers, my real beef with Ultra Magnus was just the fact that if you've ever seen a toy, Ultra Magnus is really an albino Optimus Prime in a, in a Halloween costume. That is true. It's like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google General G1 G1 Ultra Magnus. The actual truck is the exact same thing as Optimus Prime. It's just white. You put a mask on him and you put some Halloween clothes on him, and there you have Ultra Magnus. Yeah, that's about right. Other than that, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, Ultra Magnus was a damn well well made character. I mean, he was very dry as far as Autobots go, but he had a little bit of a sense of humor. And, I mean, dude put himself out there. The reason why he died all the time is because if anybody was about to get hurt, he would jump in front of him. That is so, true. I mean, as far as actual characters go, he was he was pretty awesome. Like I said, I hated him because I was like, you could have made something other than an albino Optimus Prime. Everybody knowing that Optimus Prime is my favorite character, one of my favorite characters in all the cartoons. And it was touchy that Ultra Magnus had to show up at the time when Optimus Prime died. That is true. Which is a bit of a spoiler if you're watching Transformers Prime. That is true, but... Anyway, with this new Ultra Magnus... He comes out of the ship and he's like, 
telling people to call him sir. Like, these people just had their house freaking blown to shit while they were in it. They're scattered to the winds, just trying to stay alive. And he's telling freaking a little Japanese girl to call him sir. I was like, I was, that that single moment, I wanted Transformers Prime to be on HBO or something. And half of the, just like, fuck you, sir. <laughs> But so he, he's not kind of just the worst time in all about history of Earth. He's being a complete dick. Sounds about I right. That, I was hoping that Punisher would just end it in my head in that first episode. No, it's um, it, it's it's weird because you know his his character, Ultra Magnus's character, is is you know, it's like it's like you expect it. It's like, yo, he's a tight ass. So, uh, I, like, yeah, I understand. Really, he wasn't that much of a tight ass. Like I said, he had someone on the side of you. Right, but he he always, depending on which incarnation you saw, like I've always felt he was just kind of pompous in the way he 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 was portrayed in 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 different series. In this particular series, they're portraying him as you know Optimus Prime's number two, very no nonsense. Which is fine. I mean, it, it, it's a welcome departure from from how they're they, they've been writing Prime, who's you know very heroic, and and you know above and beyond you know what what a normal hero should be. Like he's very very um, I very relatable. I guess like like when you you know when you watch that particular series and you see the way that they write Prime. You know, you have you. Of course, you know you got the Peter Cullen's majestic voice behind Prime as usual, but it's just the way it's written. You always know that he stands uh, out amongst every other one of the uh, of the Autobots. And Prime, and, and you know, in Ultra Magnus's case, they wanted to add that, but they wanted him to stand out for for something that you know is not readily accepted. Because even the way that the other you know the other Autobots interact with him, you see that there's that. There's that level of of discomfort because it's like, yo, this guy's a tight ass. Exactly. But I mean, overall. You know go ahead. Go ahead. No, you saying the other thing is why the all the time. I spoke with you about more once is just the whole thing with Predaking. I'm like, again, going back to the, the original series, the name Predaking is a character. That, uh, you know, a king could devastate it. Predator King was a combination of the six Predacons making a, you know, one big robot. And I just can't understand with the whole Beast Hunters thing and, you know, the, you know, merchandising, why they wouldn't have done that again. Oh, yeah, of course. From it would have made more sense to have six or five or six Predacons, you know, bust out a combiner. Because <clears throat> they're making toys left and right. They're making toys for characters we haven't even seen on the show yet, and it's listed under Transformers Prime. Yeah, definitely. Why would you make him just one character? And just to me, even the design of the dragon, I was like, I'm not feeling it because it looks too much like the Beast Wars version of Megatron in Dragon Mode, and in Robot Mode, it looks like one of the old Terracons 
I forgot his name, but it was like there was this two-headed dragon. Again, hit up Google people, but it's like I don't know. It's just it feels like a wasted opportunity to me. No, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, for me, I, I think the design is just he looks like a predator. You know, he's got that predator mandible jaw and stuff. But I I, I definitely commend them for for taking the series in a slightly darker direction, which is good. And if this is rumored to be the the, 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 the final, you know, the last series of this particular incarnation, I think going in this direction is good. And just the amount of characters that are there, it's not oversaturated to the point where you got to buy a hundred toys, you know? Yeah, that, that's true. But there's, there's also a lot more toys than there are actual characters in the show. Oh, yeah, of course. But that's... That's, you know, that's the, that's the marketing machine. And, and, and you know, I got to say at least 25 to 30% of those toys are all repaints of guys they already put out. Actually, that's one of the things for, for any Transformers fan. Speaking of repaint, and this one is actually pretty cool. In the Transformers Masterpiece Collection later this year, they're releasing Acid Storm, which... Might just look like a green star screen to some people, but again, for anybody who's watched the original show, Acid Storm is one of the name quote unquote nameless jets that were on Cybertron that he's named that because there were these three jets that basically basically caused acid rain in the like the very, very early episodes. And this is this one that's supposed to come out, I think, in October or so. All right. Well, there you go. Definitely keep an eye out for that. And I'm sure Slick will share a link for that on the fan page for those of you that want to check that out. Yeah, I'll put it up right now. There you go. So while I got while I have you on, I gotta, you know, go through some of the stuff here. The um the the Shield T V series is is catching on very, very quickly, they actually ended up retitling it. Now, instead of just being, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., it's going to be Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., conveniently enough to tie in with Marvel's The Avengers. And they added a new cast member. They added um, J. August Richards, who a lot of people may recognize as Charles Gunn from the Angel TV series, of course, you know, another another Whedon uh, mainstay. So definitely a solid cast they got, you know, Ming-Na Wen, Clark Gregg, they definitely they got a, a nice amount of characters and a, and a solid cast of actors that hopefully should really help this series kind of stand on its own. And what I'd like to see is what they're going to do with regards to some of like the heroes and villains. I'm sure they're probably going to use some of the more low key villains. Maybe we'll see some Hydra and some AIM stuff at work. I know that you're not going to see a lot of the bigger bigger heroes, obviously, unless they. You know, they, they pay these guys ridiculous amounts of money, like for Robert Downey Jr. to pop up. But I really would like to see how they're going to tell so many of these Marvel stories through the eyes of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty of characters and stories you can get just out of the S.H.I.E.L.D. name. And if they do it right, it'll definitely be a well-made show. I mean, with, uh, with Gunn coming back, I, I'll definitely be someone to check that out because... The the Angel series was definitely a favorite of mine. Yep, and he was definitely a well a well written character and a very good actor. Absolutely. So that'll definitely be something to check out. 
the the thing I want to see too is, you know, like like Nick Fury. Nick Fury's had a shield, and you know Sam Jackson. You know he's not going to be on there, but I'm sure we'll see Sam Jackson on. We'll see Sam Jackson on that show before we see Steve Rogers, and you know before we see uh, Chris Evans. Yeah, because you know Sam Jackson's like more approachable. Iron Man. Oh yeah, well Sam Jackson's more approachable. You know, like if you say, "Yo, you know Sam," he's not he's not going to try and hit you up for money because you know if you look at Sam Jackson's film resume, he's got so many different types of movies on there. It's it, it doesn't even matter. Shit, he might do it for free. <laughs> well, that's not go there. Nah, you, you never know. know. <laughs> you want me to put on this eye patch, motherfucker? That's what you want. <laughs> I guess you want me to shuck your jaw and dance with you too. <laughs> All right, uh, box office. I just looked. It's one fifty-six. Uh, quick reminder for those of you: the Blog Talk Radio feed goes off air at two a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to the show by going to Mixler M I X L R dot com forward slash My Take Radio. There is also a Mixler player on mytakeradio.com just click the listen tab and you can listen to it there as well so box office totals for this week uh gi joe retaliation got knocked off by evil dead uh retaliation was number two the crudes was number three jurassic park 3d once again comes in 18.3 million dollars was number four olympus has fallen was five temptation confessions of a marriage counselor was number six Oz the Great and Powerful was number seven. The Host was number eight. The Call was number nine. And Admission was number ten. I went and saw Evil Dead. And, you know, I, even though I owe you guys the review, which I got to put on the site, I got to say that it's not a horror comedy in the same vein as the other Evil Dead films, but it, it did a solid job of establishing its own mythology and its own trilogy, which I think is where they're going to go. The only thing I got to tell you guys, and this is not a spoiler in any shape or form, stay after the credits that is all now getting out of the the box office totals i we're getting get this another dracula film this particular dracula film was going to be one i spoke about a while back called dracula year zero instead they're just gonna they're they're, i believe they're just gonna call it dracula and it's gonna have luke evans playing the role of dracula and it's gonna combine the story of dracula as a vampire but also the story of Vlad the Impaler. 90 seconds. There goes the English lady yelling about 90 seconds. Again, you can listen to the show, mixler.com forward slash my take radio. Anyway, so this particular story is going to combine Dracula's story plus Vlad the Impaler, and it's going to depict him as a flawed hero in a tragic love story set in the dark ages of magic and war. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, all right, another Dracula movie. Maybe you're going to do, you're going to mix the two stories. They did that with, with Gary Oldman as, as Dracula, which is probably one of my favorites. It's like, if it's not zombies, it's vampires. It's like, we did do something slightly different. Slightly. Not too different to where it's out of the ballpark, but slightly at, at minimum. But the way I see it, Dracula's kind of been out of the spotlight for a little while, and I guess they kind of want to erase the sparkly vampires of Twilight, so, you know, 
We're, we're, we're going to get something a little ten different. seconds. All right. English lady saying 10 seconds. Quick reminder, Mixler.com forward slash my take radio to continue listening to the live show. But I, I mean, going this route and, you know, Dracula year zero, how it, whatever they want to title it. Me personally, Luke Evans is a, is a decent actor. I just feel that the vampires as a whole just need a break for a little bit. And the zombies too. Dracula, I mean, even the name doesn't sound like something that should be a hero. I mean, just go hardcore with the violence and let them be the actual Dracula. I agree. I mean, they want to use the story of Vlad the Impaler, so they may be doing that. But, you know, you're going to have to give me something a little different than what we saw, you know, with Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Because that pretty much embodied tragic love story, dark magic, and, and war, you know? Yes. Well, this bit of news, and, I, and, and I'm really glad you called in. Uh, Morris Chestnut is in Kick-Ass 2, and he put out a, a tweet that is leading a lot of people to believe that he is going to be playing Black Panther. Because he said something about, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing Black Panther in Avengers 2. A little while after those tweets went out, they were deleted. So let's let, let's think about this for a second. Morris Chestnut as the Black Panther. What do you think? I don't know. It's like I'm not saying he can't do it, but he just has. And this is gonna sound weird. Like he has this this good guy look that just doesn't scream serious. Like. He's definitely got the build to play a character like T'Challa, but it's like T'Challa just has a very serious look about him, and Morris Chestnut just has like this more friendly look about him. I don't know. It's like, and again, the Black Panther wears a mask when he's Black Panther, so that you know, could put it over, but he also walks around without the mask enough. I mean, that I, I just, I would have to see it. I really would have to see it. And that's why I want to say I, I would have to see it because too many times we thought thought of actors couldn't pull off a specific role and then they just surprised the hell out of it. Yep. So I would, if he's really going to play Black Panther, I would hope that's going to be the case. He's going to surprise the hell out of us. And, you know, I'll, I'll give it the shot. Well, it's very interesting that the post got deleted within a few hours. So that, that leads me to believe that, you know, he fucked up. <laughs> well, he definitely fucked up, but you know how it is these days. He probably fucked up the way that... Intentionally. Yeah, like like the way that Microsoft information is le- is is supposedly leaked. Yeah, I think I think I've always felt that Black Panther. If we were to do him, I would rather have seen like a Michael Jai White as a Black Panther. You know what pisses me off about that that comment? Not you know you know you and I we both love Michael Jai White. Nothing against him, but. On the, you know, looking on the internet, every time somebody mentions Michael J. White, I hear somebody come along and say, that motherfucker can't act. And I'm like, I just want to smack the shit out of him. Yeah, but you know what it is? 
the to that comment, and I can understand where where you get frustrated from. But then again, Marvel did just cast Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy. Just saying. <laughs> you see what I mean? So for for you to turn around and say, "Yo," like, don't get me wrong, I thought Mark Ruffalo was gonna suck seventeen bags of ass as the Hulk, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, "All right, not shit." Was I wrong? Absolutely. Do I admit to it? Absolutely. Do I second guess casting choices whenever they say them? Yes. You know, I I still feel that Scarlett. Unless he actually does another Hulk movie, I'm not right. He was bad in Avengers because he wasn't. There wasn't enough of him. Exactly. Outside of the conversation in the shack, how much did he really say in that movie? Dude, if any if any casting I felt was weak in that movie was Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. But that's just me, because her acting in, in general is just weak. And especially when you put her alongside guys that are seasonably trained, excluding Grumpy Cat, of course. Um, <laughs> excluding him, because that dude, his acting is just, you know, look at my sad face. Um, <laughs> excluding, <laughs> excluding that, you know, and, and for those that are asking who Grumpy Cat is, that's Jeremy Renner. Um... You know, they, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and even and even Chris Hemsworth are are solid actors. You know, and Ruffalo's no slouch either. So the flaw, the bigger flaw there, definitely was Scarlett Johansson trying to hang with them. But you know what happens with Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, you put the Just zipper on the costume a little lower. Everybody, every every guy watching the movie is saying exactly what Tony Stark said in Iron Man Two. I want one. Exactly. Like, oh, look, Scarlett Johansson's on screen. Bring the zipper to the costume down an inch lower. What? She's talking? Really? Oh, I didn't notice. I was too busy looking at the ass shot. Exactly. And, and, and not to say that that's, that that's the prime motivator, but you can tell her acting alongside them is, it's like, like, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's weak. It's not, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's dreadful, because it's not dreadful, but you can see that she's she's st- she has to compete extra hard to stay on, on the ball with those guys, especially with Robert Downey and Jr. It's very ironic that they felt that they needed eye candy in a movie that makes eyes bleed. Well, you know what it was. The, the Black Widow is 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 a, is a core Avengers member, and you know what they they wanted somebody for everybody, and not for nothing. If kids are gonna see it, you know, you got a couple little girls that go see it, you know, and they and they oh, you know, Black Widow's cool, and the and the and I gotta commend them because they didn't go, they didn't over sexualize her, you know. They were just like, you know, she's she's a hot chick, but it wasn't it wasn't overboard, you know. It was just like, oh, she's 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 a bad chick, but it wasn't like, oh my god. This ass in my face, you know? Yeah, but it's like, she wasn't an original Avenger. I mean, I really would have thought that in a movie like that, and I guess, again, they're just trying to use characters that they've already used in movies. Right. Because they've established them, people will recognize them, and people who aren't comic fans will know who they are, but... I just feel like Avengers would have been a better launch pad for characters like Ant-Man and Wasp, especially since they want to do an Ant-Man movie, which I don't know how the hell that's going to work. 
I don't know either, but I mean, I saw some of the test footage that they put out, and there's definitely potential there. But I think in Ant-Man's case, and this is the beauty of what Joss Whedon said, and I got to commend him. He goes, just because you saw these people in the first Avengers movie doesn't mean you're going to see them all in the second. You know, you may right. see you may see Captain America, you know, Hulk, Wasp, Ant-Man, and Wonder Man, or Black Panther, or Vision. Or you may see Iron Man, Captain America, no Thor, no Hulk, maybe She-Hulk. How about Luke Cage or the tiara? The is not happening. I know. I know you would. Lo- <laughs> I know. I know you would love. I know you would love a, a, a John Shaft style Luke Cage, but <laughs> but the billowy blouse is just not happening. Unless you know, you know, unless they really just want to do like flashback scenes with him in the old days fighting, you know, fighting guys with 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 platform shoes with fish in them, but. <laughs> You know, that's that's not going to happen. But it's true. Luke Cage, Luke Cage can still be used. That's not that's not a bad idea. The problem is that Marvel, they realize we got a lot of we have we've created this universe. We got to populate it. But how can we get people to go to the theaters to watch every movie? That's the problem, because like Black Panther, you can introduce Black Panther in Avengers. Will everybody go see a solo Black Panther film? questionable not even a race thing or nothing just oh it's black panther what does he do like if you ask like anybody what does black panther do i don't know he's a black guy that dresses like a giant cat do you know what superpowers he has just just going off of names let's say you've never read a comic in your life before Dude, they're gonna think action movie coming out right you rather go watch a movie called ant-man or Power Man and Iron Fist. See, Power Man and Iron Fist on paper, definitely. But the thing with Ant-Man is that you know that his introduction is going to be done in such a way that you're going to be like, damn, I want to check that out. That's the beauty of what Marvel is trying to do. They're trying to do it in such a way where you actually are intrigued about these characters. Like, not for nothing, the chemistry between Black Widow and Grumpy Cat makes me want to see a movie about them and their days in S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, fighting like AIM and HYDRA and shit. I agree. Even if you do like straight to DVD, like that's the that's the problem too. If Marvel gets too greedy and tries to put everything in theaters, people are going to get sick of it. So you got you to gotta expand the universe by using the other mediums. Well, they're actually doing that. Yep. This Tuesday, um, there's a um, straight-to-video release which actually is not in, in the regular Marvel animated universe. It's it's from Japan. It's a an actual anime, Iron Man uh, Rise of the Technovore. Yeah, that was really good. I watched it's, it when they gave it on G4. Yeah, it, it is looking really good. Yeah, it's, it, it was a solid show. You definitely, you just had to get past the whole Iron Man in Japan thing, much like the Wolverine anime. A lot of people are like, oh, it's Wolverine in Japan. And it's like versus Wolverine in Canada versus, you know, Wolverine in Times Square. Like, like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Well, what the fuck it has to do with anything is writing. And sometimes they just don't know what to do with the characters because 
the X-Men anime, if you, if you haven't seen it, it's like it started strong. Yep. And then it's just like, it did the lemming. True. The ending came in like, what the fuck just, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? That and is like, true. Why aren't there more episodes when you have an ending introducing Magneto? True. But that, you know, I think that that's one of those where they kind of cut their losses because it wasn't gaining any traction. You know, like when you abruptly end the TV show that you started watching and you're just like, oh, yeah, the show's over. You're like, what? But, but, but what? what about a finale? Nope. Done. Same vein. That, that's a bit of a sore spot for me right now. But yes, I know. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't digress in it. <laughs> just, excuse me. But, you know, uh, Black, Black, Panther, Black Panther's problem is that you're going to have to do a lot of work to get him established because anybody who you ask... They're going to be like, oh, it's a movie about Prince Akeem as a superhero. You know this. People are going to expect some coming to America type shit. You know that. It's awful. What does dumb fuck mean? You know, like like that kind of shit. And, and, and that's the problem. Like Black Panther's a cool character, but it, you might come out better introducing him in like Avengers amongst a group than going... Morris Chestnut is the Black Panther. Evil is about to fade to black. <laughs> you know, like some terrible oh shit. Yeah, some real garbage, you know, you know, in theaters now. Like, it's not going to work. For a movie like that, dude, that's just a recipe for disaster. So you might need to introduce him in, like, Avengers 2 and then set up Marvel Phase 3. And even still, I wouldn't do a solo Black Panther film. You better put him in there with... With somebody else, I don't think Morris Chestnut can cover a, can carry a movie by himself that's not written by Tyler Perry and doesn't have Sanaa Latham as his love interest. Wow! Just saying. <laughs> wow! Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, switching gears, it looks like Fast and Furious Seven is going to get that new director since um, Justin Lin is dropping out, and they're saying it's going to be James Wan who, um, you know, a lot of people know from, uh, you know, the Saw movies and stuff like that. So um, James Wan, it's like, the, I, it almost ma- it almost raises the question, are we just substituting one Asian guy for another and hoping for the best? Seriously. Well, you know how I feel about, about um, the whole Fast and Furious series, period. I mean, we all know it's car porn, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like... Why is why are there still movies being made? Well, the you, answer is because he will be going to see it. Well, no, that's part of the answer. But the other part of the answer that 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 I've said is that Fast and Furious has done a tremendous job evolving from mindless car porn racing movie to heist series. Because think about the first Fast and Furious, and then each each sequel following it. How the how the storyline evolves something more than just the racing, you know. The second one had the drug dealers in Miami. The third one had Tokyo Drift, which you know, which was the Tokyo racing scene, and it had drug dealers and money laundering and and Japanese mafia. Okay, but every film after that involved cops, guns, drugs, and you know the cars were an afterthought. So what they did was they took you know, a racing movie and pretty much turned it into a a better version of the Italian job. 
That's what they did. And people just, they, 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 they embraced the transition. Not to mention that they're looking to do a standalone movie with, with The Rock's character. So, you know, that's going to add even more of a shelf life. Uh, we all know casting The Rock in a lead is an instant payday. I will say, though, that, that, you know, after the seventh movie, like, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel need to hang it up because they're starting to look fucking old in those trailers. I'm like, yo, come on, you guys. Didn't your guy, didn't both your, didn't Paul Walker's character have, you know, become a father at the end of the last one? And he's just running around racing and crashing shit. Like, where's your kid? (laughs) That's the story behind Fast and Furious 8. There you go. Someone kidnaps his child. He has to do one more hike. That, that, you never know. That might happen. Well, the last the last bits of movie news, um, Zack Snyder did an interview with Entertainment Weekly and said that there is going to be no kryptonite in the new Superman movie. I see no problem with that. Thank you. Some people are like, but, but it's kryptonite. And it's like, oh my God, the strongest man in the universe is scared of a rock. You're not really scared of you, it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I see no problem with that as long as you have a character in the movie strong enough to substitute for Kryptonite. Well, that's going to be Zod. Beat the living snot out of. It's going to be Zod. It's going to be Zod. And you know what? If they use Zod that was written in the action comics, the way he was done in action comics, and that similar type of of an approach, it's going to be. It's there's going to be massive destruction and chaos. Because it's just going to be Kryptonian ass whoopings, a la a la Terrence right. Stamp. And done right, that can be awesome. If done wrong, it can look like a, another bad Dragon Ball movie. Well, you know what it is too. It's like they they don't mention Lex Luthor, and I don't know if he's in it or not because they've gone out of their way to hide so many plot details about this movie that who knows. We may see Lex Luthor. We may see, you know, a lot of subtle nudges to certain things. And the reason I say this is because, remember, at the end of Incredible Hulk in the deleted scene with, you know, where, where, with Ed Norton, when he caused the avalanche, Captain America was in the ice. When Iron Man is working in his lab, he uses Captain America's shield. You know, when you when you're watching Thor and he's in the weapon room, you see the Infinity Gauntlet. Like there's so many little subtle things that we're gonna have to watch this new Superman movie very, very, very closely. Yeah, it's just like done right, I don't Zod can make a very good movie. It's just I'm tired of seeing the same characters You're right in in the movies. It's like I wasn't mad at, at, at Dane so much in the last Dark Knight movie just because the last time Dane was on screen, it was god-awful. There you go. I wasn't mad at the Joker because, I mean, the Joker is just iconic. I mean, you can't do a Batman series and not have the Joker. But he was such a different and, departure from the, from the from the Joker we know that, on the contrary, he revolutionized the way the Joker is written now. True, and then they fucked that up, but that's a whole other issue. Right. And it's like, I mean, granted, Zod hasn't been done in 
Oh my God! Well over twenty years. Yep. Over thirty years. So I mean, it's not like I mean, unless you count Smallville, which thank God I don't. I'd like to see. You know what I'd like and, to see? Um, in a, I'd like to see Bizarro in a Superman film. No, oh. I want to see characters that we haven't seen. Characters that really are you know, quote-unquote, stronger than Superman because, you know, nowadays no one is. But I want to see, like, a Mongo or a Darkseid. Darkseid wouldn't be bad. I'd like to see also... I've always liked, like... I've always been a fan of Metallo and Parasite. Yeah, but the reason why I mentioned those two is because they're powerful and they bring, like, a mental aspect into it. Like... They they are people that will really get in, in Superman's head and then fuck him up. Well, out of those two, I honestly would say that I would rather go with Mongol first than Darkseid because the involvement of something along the lines of Darkseid needs to be huge. You know, like, that's not a one-movie thing. You know, like Venom, like, right. like, like how Venom was in Spider-Man 3. A Darkseid thing has to be big, like... You know, maybe Darkseid is behind Brainiac. You know, like, it has to be in phases. But leading up to Darkseid involvement could could be a good way also to build a Justice League movie. Yep, well, that was the original plan. Darkseid has so many different agents that you could use them in different movies. That's correct, I agree. We're going to find out. Superman will be here before you know it. I believe it's in theaters in July. You know, which, you know, it's uh, it's right around the corner. So I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, the, the whole lack of kryptonite doesn't bother me in the least. On the contrary, I like what Zack Snyder said. He goes, I'll be honest with you, there's no kryptonite in this movie. Although he is not susceptible to the frailties of mankind, he is definitely susceptible to the emotional frailties. So there's definitely going to be more of a deeper Superman, you know? Let's hope so. So I got... Two two bits of what you can consider what-the-fuck movie news. We are proceeding with a remake of Point Break. <laughs> I saw that earlier tonight. Yes. It's going, it's going ahead. And I'm like, really? You know? Definitely not the move. The other bit of movie news is that DreamWorks has acquired the, uh, the IP for movies about the trolls. Wait, the treasure trolls? Yes. Ugh. Why not? You made a Smurfs movie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Just saying. So, we may get to see treasure trolls. It's like, if, if you're giving me the Smurfs and the chipmunks... Then, then give me the snorks while you're at it. Give I think me. I'd the... actually like to see a snorks movie. I'd like to see it if it's done like Finding Nemo style. A snorks movie could. You can definitely do something a little bit more teenaged with the snorks. Yep, because there's more of a teenage dynamic there. You know that the troll a trolls movie is just a cash grab anyway. Of course. 
because they're going to try to put, bring the toys back. There you go. Well, there you have it. That actually um, wraps up the show for this week, unless you have anything else to add. No, I'm good, man. All right. You guys can follow Slick on Twitter at MTR Slick, and you can always find him on our Facebook fan page. He um, does a really great job running the Raw commentary on Monday nights, so you can find him there as well. And, of course, make sure to look for Slick's work on MyTakeRadio.com. Drop him a comment. I'm sure he would really appreciate it. Anything else? No, that's, that's good for the show tonight, man. All right, my dude. I will catch you later. Yes, sir. Peace. All right. As I said, that actually wraps up tonight's show, which uh, we went three, practically three and a half hours. Um, there was a lot of stuff this week, though, so it happens. Anyway. For those of you that listen to the show for particular segments, you guys know what the deal is. Anyway, you've just heard My Take Radio episode 179 for Thursday, April 11th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio or would like to write for us, you can hit me up on mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Again, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio. You can find us on MySpace. Add us to your Facebook, well, follow us on Facebook, excuse me, on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio, and add us to your circle on Google+. Last but not least, if you want the complete MTR experience, make sure to pick up the MyTakeRadio app, available for Android and iOS devices. You can pick it up for $1.99, for Android at the Amazon Marketplace, and for iOS, as always, via iTunes. Also, I'm pleased to announce that My Take Radio, the site can be accessible via your Kindle. It uh, It's going to run you $0.99, cents and you'll be able to access My Take Radio via your Kindle device. I'm happy to announce that this evening, now that I know that we have been approved. So you can find us in the Kindle Marketplace as well. All right. I will catch you guys next week on behalf of Slick, Ben, Jay, and the rest of the MTR staff. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your continued support. And I'll catch you guys next week. Peace. I think this week we are going to go out with... I'm thinking... uh, I'm figuring we're going to go out with the Maniac Agenda and their song, The Awakening. And you can find them on the Maniac Agenda Facebook fan page. And you can also find the links for them in this week's show notes. Catch you guys next week.